This is Unfiltered, episode 179 for March 10th, 2016. Potential trove of intelligence about ISIS is being analyzed this morning. Our partners at Sky News reportedly received 22,000 documents containing the real names, addresses and phone numbers of suspected ISIS fighters from at least 51 different countries. A man claiming to be a disgruntled former ISIS member passed on the information. A Syrian opposition group also claiming to have the data says the information reveals the identities of more than 1,700 jihadis. The ISIS registration form asked recruits to 23 questions like, what is your previous fighting experience, what special skills they have, and whether they want to be a fighter, commando, or a martyrdom seeker. Super Tuesday number two, Wacky Debate Wednesday. This is a special Thursday edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you shouldn't be watching. I, here on this side of the podium, I my name is Chase, and on that podium over there is Mr. Chris. Hey, Hello Chris. there, Mr. Chase. Hey, man. If I may just say... Yes. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, your time is to... up. I'm so, uh, oh. Mr. Fisher. Oh. Mr. Fisher, I'm sorry, your time is up. Damn it. Uh, so, can you please tell us what you would do about the immigration policy? Yeah, well, thank you. I'm uh, glad. Thank I you, Mr. Fisher. Your time is up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that sound like? I know. Yeah, uh, what, yeah. what is that about? So, okay, this week actually, we won't be talking too much about the election because no, no. you know last week's yeah. episode was dedicated to the live coverage, and so we got to bounce it out by yep. doubling down on the news this week totally. and. Uh, you know, coming up, Chase, we have a lot to cover in episode 179. We've got, uh, of course, our cyber update. Yes. we got a cyber uh, every episode. we got a cyber every time, and we got a little iPhone in there, too. Now we're going to be cyber with iPhones. And then uh, when it gets to terrorism, some interesting details out of the uh, Oregon uh, – remember how it kind of all kind of – Began to come to a conclusion where they did the traffic stop. Right, and got shot. And, New yeah. video out about that. Okay. It's got people talking. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, the, terrorism, the terrorism category, as it were, is packed full this week. Lots of stuff going on in Libya. Lots of stuff with chemical weapons. Documents aplenty. Documents everywhere. Lots and lots of documents being released. We're going to talk about all the documents. Plus, Turkey. What's going on in Korea? And then, of course, a little 2016 update and then we might even end on a high note this week, Ooh. Mr. Chase. Oh, ending yeah. on a high note is sometimes a good idea when you're. I got to come week. to the show though this week with my tail between my legs. Uh oh, what happened last oh. week? Uh, and a big thank you to Mr. Dominic for uh, stepping in when Mr. Chase couldn't make it. And we did the show live to cover Super Tuesday, and there was a power outage. Mm. Lost the first half of the show. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we even have a backup, right? Yeah. Uh, but the backup failed. Oh. And uh, as it works with these files, as they're writing, if you don't have the closing bits at the end of the file, you oh, lose Oh, yeah, yeah. That's everything. right. Yeah, yeah, because it's all that information, right? So uh, it was a bit of a bummer. And not only that, but then I was I was plagued with tech issues throughout yeah. the remainder of the recording because, like, after things reboot, they have to come up in a certain order for everything to work right and all the capture to work right. It was a technical disaster during the live show. I was jumping around like crazy and managing live stream uh, of the feeds we were watching uh, issues. But I actually turned out to be a pretty action-packed coverage, really interesting. And I still look at that at all of these as a bit of an experiment, not to let it take the show away, but as an experiment for us to learn. So that way more live events come up, we'll be better and better at it. But today, Chase, why don't we jump into our cyber news? ASL? Uh, Something that (laughs) – you know, when we talk about this stuff, it seems like a lot of times uh, 
the officials in government, particularly intelligence agencies or law enforcement officials like Kami, will uh, say, I can't answer that because it's an ongoing act of investigation. Oh, of course, because or, to divulge that, it will be revealing right, national or secrets. Or we can't answer that because it would give the terrorists information on how to take advantage of We just of don't want to give them a blueprint. That seems to be, yeah. right, yeah. We don't want to, yeah, we don't want to give them a blueprint. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Uh, yeah, except for with this iPhone story, we're sort of just advertising, hey, if you're a terrorist, put your data on the iPhone. Put your data on the iPhone. Well, new information on a story happening now is following very closely. Apple's mm. under fire for failing to help the federal government so far unlock a terrorist iPhone in the wake of the San Bernardino massacre. We know that story, but apparently that's not the only case, and there's a lot happening on the local level. In fact, NYPD, New York Police Department's counterterrorism chief, uh-huh. just saying yeah. that this is a situation local law enforcement is confronting as well. And the criminals are noticing. Michael Balboni is a former Homeland Security Advisor for New York State. is a good idea of, of local, federal issues and how they... they- so top, here's what she's saying. Top law enforcement mucky muck uh, in New York City sits down and does a local radio station interview and basically says, absolutely, this is about setting precedent. And I got a whole bunch of phones I want to unlock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's and we we called that we already called we that. Totally, yeah, called totally called that, called that. and that's what she kind of chews on a little bit. I was chew a little bit, Michael. This was a really interesting interview that John Miller gave, the counterterrorism chief again of the yeah. So that's uh, John Miller is the real world Jack Bauer who's always trying to break the rules, and he works for CTO of New York, and uh, uh, and he's going to uh, he did this interview. He's going to say some really interesting things. He said there's 175 phones. 175 phones. That's a lot that of phones. That the NYPD has warrants for that they can't get into. What is the impact of that? It just means that the people are, are able to commit crimes, to conceal them, to uh, <laughs> All right, create see where this going. without uh-huh. law enforcement yeah. being able to get the data that's on there. They need, oh, they need, they need the data, data because so if bad. they can't get the data, they don't have anything to arrest them on. So I mean, amazing they, about they need whole it. Discussion is, that people are saying that this is about privacy. It's not about privacy. No. It's about protections of the general population, but also protections under the Fourth Amendment oh. against unreasonable search and seizure. So, you know, it's, it's, I think people are really saying that this is privacy, and it's not. Well, you, you hear the San Bernardino story. You think about it on such a big level, right? Terrorism, big the level. bad guys, and the big government, guys. and the intrusiveness. But this really brings it home. Listen to what John Miller had to say. Okay. Again, a radio yeah. interview uh, just locally here in New York. Okay. You are actually providing aid to kidnappers, robbers, and murderers oh. who have actually been recorded God, on the telephones in Rikers Island. This is- so, oh, so prisoners on Rikers Island, uh, you know, recording, you know, all, all prisoner calls recorded, as we well know, right, Chase? Yes. Yeah, yeah hello, man. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all prisoners call are recorded and apparently these guys in prison are talking about how everybody's got to go get iPhones. Local uh, jail here in New York telling their compatriots on the outside you got to get iOS 8. It's the operating system. It's a gift from God and that's a quote because the cops can't crack it. So the the criminals are talking about the operating system Michael and how how it's going to help them. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I just don't buy that uh, at all. Yeah, hi, Chris. But you know uh, what? Yeah, well, you need to download iOS eight, please. You, you know, I could see it though wow. because because Comey is out there making a big deal about it. I oh, could yeah. see it. I yeah. really could see it. But Chris, you know, here's the thing. You know, if you haven't done anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know, seriously, what's the problem? I got nothing with to just, hide. You have nothing to hide. I got just nothing to hide. Just yeah. let him do it. Uh, what about what about the big picture? Remember, Jenna just mentioned it. The big picture. The big picture. If we could get to the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone. Then we'll, we'll know what they're going to do next. It could reveal. Now, potentially. You ready for this, oh, Chase? that's right. Potentially. Right. A cyber pathogen. A cyber pathogen. 
Welcome back. The information on the encrypted iPhone belonging to Syed Farouk could help answer whether there was a third accomplice in oh. the San Bernardino terror attack. So who's speaking right now? Uh, I thought, that, is that the reporter? Yeah, but yeah. you should recognize the voice, I think. Is that Bill? No. No. Go ahead. people in December. So says San Bernardino's district attorney that's joined in the court battle in support of the FBI. I know this forcing guy. Apple to try I forget to unlock his name. Clayton Morris. Yeah. He used to be on Twitter all the time. He's actually got some technical understanding, right? That's that's where I knew him. Yeah. Man, I yeah. was trying to place him. Yeah, he used to be on This Week in Tech. He actually has some tech knowledge. He actually released a couple of apps in the iTunes App Store. Okay. In the Apple App Store. And uh, so he's going to bring on this guy who says there's a cyber pathogen, potentially, oh. on the San Bernardino show, uh, shooter's uh, phone. And he's going to ask him a few questions. I said he's going to. Hey, Chase. Yes, Chris. He's going to ask me a few questions. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Well, DA Mike Ramos uh, joins us now with an update on the case that tests the Here boundaries between privacy and national security. Mike, nice to see you this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, the latest in this is saying this phone could have clues um, of an unconfirmed third shooter. You're saying what could be on this phone is what you described as a cyber pathogen. What? Which sounds like there something out of like a yeah. Sandra Bullock 1990s uh, bad science fiction movie. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the net? Are you talking about the net? Of course he's talking about the I net, dude. Of course he's talking about the net. So, so Clayton's like, what are you talking about? A, a frickin' cyber pathogen. What are you talking about? And he's like, and the guy's just like, just yeah, that's right. That's Something right. out of like a yeah. Sandra Bullock 1990s uh, bad science fiction movie. What is a cyber right. pathogen and why might it be on this particular phone? Sure, those are two different issues, but the cyber pathogen you're talking about, look, it's a, it's a term of regarding a virus. Uh, oh. Uh, going into the infrastructure of San Bernardino County uh, and what we do. And, and terrorists, uh, you know, I, you have to think about big picture, and I truly believe that could be one of the issues that we need to talk about. I mean, I just so this guy is proposing that a virus living on the iPhone. So let's talk about this for a second. So he's using it as a storage device, right? So, well, I think we should start from the beginning here because this is a this guy is a, he is a well paid law enforcement oh, official. Yes. And so I feel like we should take what this man is saying pretty seriously. So let's discuss it here for a second. In order to get this uh, cyber pathogen on the iPhone, you would either have to jailbreak the iPhone, right? Which if they had done that, that would mean they were exploiting known vulnerabilities in the iOS system, which the FBI could have already taken advantage of to get around the passcode. Or lockout. they already have gotten around it and they just want the tool anyway. But yeah, go ahead. But my point remains, yeah. that aside, if, if they, if they side-loaded, because how do you load software on an iPhone? Through the App Store. And if you don't load it through the App Store, the only other option is to jailbreak. You have to jailbreak. You have to. So, or, or you have to be part or, of an enterprise. Or you're a developer. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you're in that program. <laughs> or you have uh, an enterprise management right. infrastructure. But yes. then they wouldn't have needed to unlock the iPhone to Correct. begin with. Them. So uh, let, but let's go with – so these people needed to unofficially load the cyber pathogen. Right. I'm doubting they got it digitally signed by Apple through their developer account. Probably Apple's not going to let that pass. No. So the, their options are either get it into the App Store, not likely – Right. Submit it as a developer and get it signed by Apple, not likely, or they'd have to sideload it by jailbreaking the phone. If they jailbroke the phone to get a cyber pathogen on there, a.k.a. a worm, right. then that vulnerability would exist in the operating system that the FBI could exploit they right now. They would use and they'd be doing it right now. Right. You're absolutely right. Plus, from a technical standpoint, a cyber pathogen, in this guy's explanation, would have to be built for the ARM platform to remain dominant or dormant on the ARM device 
wait for an instance to launch, and then be able to attack remote systems, take advantage of their vulnerability, and then execute x86 code on those systems. Wow. So he, what, he's, yeah. what he's talking about here is, is just so damn near impossible. Previously, that ISIS was breaking into an infrastructure back east regarding uh, some uh, a police department. So, okay. you know, my concern is this was a county employee, and he could have been using this uh, to get other information for regarding the victims. Okay, but in your statement, that's a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big if. Do you have any evidence to suggest that yeah. this phone was used to break into the county infrastructure? I mean, it, it was a county phone. But what you're saying is that sure. the cyber pathogen could have been on this phone and therefore right. infected Woo! your network. Is there any, any evidence at all to, to suggest that that happened? The only Isn't evidence that, that we have is that we, we know that he, he did uh, go into his phone and he mani- manipulated the, the section of the phone to stop us from getting our following into the iCloud area and Wait, of course, well, well, uh, some uh, other areas. But, but, that the, no. They changed the password. Yeah. And I and, and I, if it wasn't county policy to have the 10 and wipe, then it should have been. That should have been county policy. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, in fact, let's, I want to hear his, let's hear his language there. The, the section of the phone to stop us from getting our following into the iCloud area and, of course, uh, some other areas that the county had. And so that that's just a piece of... They didn't do that at all. They reset the password. Right. That's total crap. Yeah, to iCloud. Yeah. ...of evidence that perhaps it's on there, perhaps it's not, but it could be answered by just looking into the phone. But but you would see it on your end, would you not? If there were a virus that came from his phone and infected your infrastructure and network, I mean, iOS, the operating system that that Apple mm-hmm. uh, has created... That uh, Peyton, or uh, Clayton, <laughs> yeah. Peyton, that Clayton has actually a couple of apps, including that speed right. reading so app so he for knows it. about, yeah. yeah. ...iPhones is a sandboxed operating system. Therefore, apps need to be right. approved at the App Store level by Apple. For there to be some sort of cyber oh, yeah. pathogenic oh. app that would infect <laughs> the county so good, infrastructure, dude. that's a pretty big charge. Is there any evidence on your servers yeah, that something good. like that happened? No, nah, no. Nah. There's no evidence on our nah, service nah. that something like that happened. We're 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 talking about our victims, their concerns. No, you uh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, All right, I'm going to no. cut this guy off. But good for Clayton for actually asking. That's a great question. Bring up he the sandbox out, question. Yeah, like, that was good. He knows. He's like, are you sure? Yeah, this guy's full of crap. He pinned him. Nice All right, job. Chase. One, now two, I'm a father and you're not, so I thought this would be good for us to give our perspective on this next story. Okay, it's a cyber story that affects parents and posting pictures online. Be warm. Thanks, Tucker. Well, if you're the type of parent who posts pictures of their children online, you're far from being the only one, of course. But you may want to stay away from posting them on Facebook in France. Oh. It's cracking down on the practice, Here we go. warning parents that they could face up to one year in prison and up to $50,000 in fines for putting those photos online without your child's approval. So, are the French going a bit too far? Keisha Hebon is an attorney. And- without child's approval. Without, and what was the fine? Did you see it there? It so, was 50K. Yeah, 50K. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, Chase? What do you think about this particular? Isn't this a weird one? So I find the timing interesting because there was also a study that was just recently released about kids and parents. And, you know, kids, uh, they, they ask kids for the first time as far as how do you feel about your parents' mobile phone use, you know, in the car, at home, things like that. But they also had an addendum. And in that addendum, they talked about how they didn't like their parents posting things about them online. This is honestly apparent in my opinion this is a parent's decision and call. Until that kid turns 18, 
their rights are very, very limited. I, I could see, though, uh, you know, you, as a kid growing up later on, going back and going, yeah, I kind of wish that wasn't online. Yeah, but you know what? That's, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's family. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting reality. Although, what do you think about putting a fine on it? That seems... No, no see, that's that's overreaching bounds of a government I that, asked, you that know, they I asked, shouldn't uh, be doing. I asked Ange. But it is, but it is you know, France. Ange said that, uh, how would they prove if they had the kid's permission or not? Well, the, uh, you know, they would need the kid to sign a release, and they would have to get it on on, on video she and post this, it to YouTube and says, then share it with everybody. I thought this was interesting. She says this feels like an anti-cyberbullying thing, only just a different level of it. I don't know about that. What do you think? Well, what, what would you do about kids posting uh, pictures of other kids? Then what would you do? Hmm. What about that? Yeah, because kids have smartphones. And yes. Right, and, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, I, I, I think, you know, personally, hey, you're the parent, and you know what, if uh, it sucks, but, you know, you're going to do it, right? Parents do it now. <laughs> Parents love to do it. They're proud of their They're proud of their. My uh, kid's offspring. the best kid, and your kid best sucks. Best kid ever. Best, best kid. Number kid one. Number ever. one. Number one kid. Hey, Chase, uh, before we go on any further, yes. uh, we got a whole bunch of shenanigans to get into today. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, how we make this show possible. That's, that's our right. Patreon at patreon.com slash Unfilter. You know, we're really close to a milestone. Uh, next goal, uh, we reveal our secret plans. We have some interesting developed plans behind the we scenes. We need to eat, plan these plans over this new barbecue place yeah. that just opened up down the road. I, I've been giving hints to people. I've been dropping hints. Oh, we do. You're right. I've been giving hints. <laughs> uh, Delayed. And uh, in overtime today, I'll give another hint. And I gave a hint to the patrons last week. Uh, and so the hint that you're going to get today is... What besides the hint that I've given in the last couple of weeks, once we hit the milestone, the thing we're going to announce for our supporters is going to be powered by open source technology. Oh, really? That's your hint. So we're trying to raise funds for this show over at patreon.com slash unfilter. No commercials, nobody that dictates how we make this show sound or what we talk about, right. and nothing that makes us want to make, get as many clicks as possible. That way we make the advertiser happy. Right. It's about those patrons. Patreon.com slash unfilter. You get the supporter sync with all the extra goodies over there. You get the exclusive info from us when we make posts over there, and you get our ear plus additional goodies that are going to be announced once we reach our new milestone. And honestly, you know, the only people that I truly care about are those 436 Ow! people. I mean, I know there's a lot of you who listen to the show and you can't support us right now on Patreon and you're good supporters. You go and support us on unfilter.reddit.com. You know, That's you, nice. You, you do. But as they say, that doesn't quite pay the bills. This pays the bills because mm-hmm. obviously there's infrastructure involved, there's servers, there's you know, all these places and, and things that need to be taken you know, care of. As we go through this, uh, the whole team, Research, uh, the whole team really, I think you look at where we're at now, 179 episodes. Yeah. Uh, we've had producer Matt on now for uh, since... Uh, Good chunk of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been a while. Producer Matt, you'd have to tell us how many episodes, but he's been in for a while now. It's been yeah. great. He'll say three. And we got, we no, got a whole kidding. team. We got a whole team. And this year, I think 2016 is proving to be more valuable to have a people's history than oh, ever. Yeah. And uh, we're just, do- just go back and look at 2012 for a minute and look how far we've come. Because, you know, we covered the big election with Obama and Romney. Remember? Four years ago. I do. And we did wall-to-wall coverage. We were at a JBHQ. And we were spinning the tables, and we were very, very small. And a lot of you have stuck with us since then and have seen the show grow to where it is today. And we want to take it to the next level. We haven't forgot about that. Yeah. And I I think you guys would be pretty excited about some of the secret plans that we have in the works, and we could really use your help to get us to the next milestone. We'll tell you more about it. This show is brought to you for you. Unfiltered is 
a listener-supported show at patreon.com slash unfiltered. All right. Thank you, everybody, for supporting this here show. And now, uh, Chris, your time is up. Thank you. Thank you. You're right. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, let's get into our terrorism. Terror. Terror. Let's start with a lo- little local terrorism update. Oh. That, that Oregon, uh, let me write something about the road, the, yes. uh, road stop. Yes. Well, there's some new video released that raises some uncomfortable questions. Newly released video raises new questions about a deadly shooting connected to the siege at an Oregon wildlife refuge. The cell phone video shows one of the armed occupiers moments before police killed him after a traffic stop and chase. Ben Tracy reports FBI agents at the scene are now suspected of covering up some important evidence. You back down or you kill me now? That's the voice of Robert Lavoy Finnicum in cell phone video released Tuesday by the Deschutes County Sheriff's Office. Law enforcement synced the video shot from inside the truck Finnicum was driving with helicopter aerials, both recorded on January 26th during his confrontation with Oregon State Police and FBI agents. You can go ahead and shoot me. Put the laser right there. Put the bullet through the head. Police say Finnicum sped off, surpassing 70 miles per hour before reaching a roadblock. Investigators are looking into why the FBI team failed to report firing two shots that missed Finnicum as he exited his vehicle. So they failed to report a couple of shots, which is interesting. Plus, yeah, they why didn't, wouldn't they? Uh, they didn't account that. for the eyewitness video from the vehicle to make up for some of the gaps. They say he ignored repeated requests to lie down and was shot only after he was seen reaching into his jacket. Major incident team investigators found a loaded 9mm handgun in the left-hand interior pocket of Mr. Finnicum's jacket. Finnicum's widow insists her husband was surrendering when shot. Our family asserts that he was shot with both hands up And he was not reaching for anything at the time of the first shot. For CBS This Morning, Ben Tracy, Los Angeles. I'm very curious about this case. The video raises some interesting questions all the way around. Interesting questions, I I will say this, you know, any guy, you know, I will say this. Any guy that says that they are, they're saying that they're surrendering, right? And then they say, you're going to have to shoot me. Doesn't sound like a guy who's surrendering. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just putting that at face value. Yeah, That's all yeah, I'm no, saying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to criticize yeah. why. Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I, I know. Uh, all right, so documents. Yes. Lots and lots of documents. Yes. All of the documents. You ready You ready for the document? I like Extrava- paper. It's a document extravaganza. Here's a document, there's a document, everyone's this document. Again, more than 100 Justin. documents from Osama bin Laden's hideout have now been made public. The CIA releasing the documents nearly five years after Navy SEALs seized them in that raid that killed bin Laden. And among them, apparently, is the terrorist's will. Our chief intelligence correspondent, Captain Harris, has the details live. Wait. Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, please. I can't remember if she's going to hold it up or please. not. I know. Does she pull the arm? Oh, please, I Catherine. So. I can't please. remember. Catherine? Well, thank you, Jenna. A senior U.S. official told reporters today that the newly declassified bin Laden documents. So this is not something newly discovered. Let's be clear. This is yes. something that we're just now finding out about because they've just decided to tell us. Yes. He- He had, quote, a hands-on approach to his affiliates, coordinating with the leadership directly, but he was out of touch 
with their capabilities after years of hiding. The officials said bin Laden gave direction to affiliates stretching from AQIM in North Africa to AQAP in Yemen on everything from media strategy to training as well as propaganda, including the importance of avoiding anything too grisly, such as the beheadings favored by ISIS. And if U.S. targets were not available, striking the French, who were seen by bin Laden sure. and his prime adversary in Europe. These documents, the second installment from the intelligence community, really enrich our understanding of the former al-Qaeda leader. All right, so we've been enriched uh, by new documents. <laughs> Do you feel enriched? I feel very enriched. Do we yeah, have more documents yeah. for me, Chris? Well, yes. I want to uh, taste so some Those more are Bin documents. Laden documents, and at the same time, guess what? we got new IS documents. Ooh, IS. You mean There IS. has never been a leak from an active terror organization on a scale even remotely like this. I think this is going to get – I think this – I really think out of all the things we play today, this is going to be the thing that gets us pulled down. Sky News is just such a jerk. And this is fair use right here straight up. But so uh, the, a thumb drive was found and then they went uh, – Sky News went and printed it all out and put ISIS logos on there to do this camera shot. So, uh, I so lo- they added the ISIS logos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. cache of information that could destroy Islamic State's fighting infrastructure. Tens of thousands of files, names, addresses, telephone numbers and crucially the network that recruited them. Islamic State is suffering, but this for them is a potential disaster, and it's happening right now. The files passed to Sky News were obtained in Turkey, the country that has been the staging post for the foreigners who make up the elite cadre of Islamic State's fighting force. It's been the key to the terror organization's success. Ideologically driven jihadists programmed to follow orders and commit acts of brutality to divide communities and to take control with blistering speed. Got that ISIS music playing. Repeated throughout history, brutal repressive regimes have an obsession with bureaucracy. <laughs> to join up... With- I actually... This is where I start to sort of fall apart. Uh, and starts. this starts to smell like propaganda to me. Okay. Uh, the concept that ISIS has this um, bureaucratic infrastructure where they have troves of documents and they have chief officers of X and Y. If that's it makes I, you wonder because they're so disorganized. And that's what I can't swallow because yeah. from what I understand, I'm it's with a, you. It's I'm a collection you. of psychopaths and contractors. Yeah. And uh, the idea that they have some sort of um, corporate-esque like infrastructure that would maybe look like something you might see from a Microsoft org chart feels – insulting to my intelligence and so it just smells like propaganda well be careful chris because you know they are great at making video i mean they are have some incredible production facilities that we've seen on this show so it's possible that they like the documents and they use a lot of microsoft office (laughs) (laughs) to convince their sponsors of their eligibility ah this form was crucial 23 questions Names and addresses. There. You like how they made like visuals. So all of these visuals are either CG or created because these were just documents on PDF. But then they've made English versions of them for us to, of course, for us to enjoy. The countries they've traveled through on the way to Syria. Uh huh. Previous jihadi experience and their phone number contacts at home. I've got to work till I'm dead and meet my grave. A lot of the names are well known to us. Abdel Barry, a 26-year-old from London, entered in 2013 after visiting Libya, Egypt and Turkey. He's designated a fighter. In the UK, he was better known as a rap artist. His whereabouts are unknown. Another jihadi, now dead after being hit by a drone, is Junaid Hussein the head of the Islamic State's media wing, who plotted to attack the UK with his wife, former punk rocker Sally Jones. Her whereabouts are unknown. 
This is a message to the brothers who stayed behind. And Riyad Khan from Cardiff, who also entered in 2013, well known for appearing in this Islamic State propaganda video. He was later killed. Just dealing with this huge amount of data is staggeringly time-consuming. There is simply so much. So much. It came from this man, a free Syrian army convert to Islamic State. Abu Hamed, he calls himself. Disillusioned with the Islamic State leadership, its takeover by Ba'athist party commanders from Iraq and a total collapse in the Islamic rules he supported, he decided to quit. So this is the new narrative that I'm hearing from a lot of different sources, mostly in print right now. Uh, and this has been great because uh, I've been able to follow the story in print and now follow it uh, here and in, in, in audio and video. And both in both of them, the main narrative that I'm I'm essentially walking away with is people are disillusioned within ISIS and they're walking away with troves of documents and we're learning all kinds of new things about ISIS yeah, now. Yeah. The documents obtained by Sky News on Islamic State are an extraordinary intelligence resource. Their sheer scale is impressive. So we should see some major blows against ISIS oh, now. Oh yeah, I mean, we don't need a cell phone anymore. We have all this. But even more valuable is the level of detail. Well, it's a fantastic coup, and it will be an absolute goldmine of information. By the way, and link in the show notes, uh, Germany says, uh, yeah, these, because that's where they, that's who has found these. They're probably legitimate. Probably. Probably. It's an interest to very many people, but of course, particularly the security and intelligence services. In fact, there hasn't been anything at all like this really since the discovery of the Sinjar records, they were called in. 2007. One telling detail, who recommended them to the Islamic State? It will give them an indication of not just who they are, where they come from, but will be able to potentially lead them to the people that radicalized these individuals as well as facilitated their departure. And it's those people that are really key. It's these people that are capable of radicalizing and sending out foreign fighters uh, in the... Now, Chris, you know, yeah, I smell that. That that is definitely bacon, and yeah, that's from uh, that's man, that's from Las Vegas, New Mexico. You nailed uh, it, buddy! Wow, yeah, uh, yeah that's amazing. It. Yeah, I get, so, yeah, sent in by, by an audience member. Yeah, uh, I think this is either uh, these are just more propaganda documents that the site intelligence group or Cutter came published, right? Uh, that somebody in Germany came across that that uh, or or the whole thing is a scam. I just this none of this is feeling legitimate to me at all. Yeah, you know what is going through my head right now? You ever watch the movie Minority Report? Mm-hmm. You know the premise of these three uh, individuals. These they call them precogs, and they can predict the, if you're going to commit murder or not. And Tom Cruise, the the main character of the movie, there's a part of the movie where uh, he ends up in this uh, hotel room, and there's a a big, big uh, bed full of pictures of kids. And, you know, it gets them emotionally charged and stuff. And one of the uh, CIA or NSA, NSA guys in the movie, Colin Farrell, plays the guy. And he goes, you know, this is a, a what you call an orgy of evidence. You know, it's like this is intentional. Like, you know, this was intentional for, for you, for him to see, to get him riled up. This is intentional. Mm. This, it, it, in my feeling, this is way too much, too simple to get, too easily to get. Yeah. Like, to distract us from what... Is something really going I on? I think and, you know, this uh, is this is just too too good. Yeah, and yeah. Speaking of too, like, I think they're about to get. I think this part of the clip gets to the, like the total numbers we're dealing with here. Includes twenty two thousand documents. Wow! Each document has twenty three fields, giving more than half a million points of data in total. 
That might sound like a bewildering amount of data for a human to wade through, but that's... But luckily, intelligence agencies have big computers. So yeah, Chase. Yeah, NSA. And it's CIA, a huge yeah, yeah. get. If, it's, if this is legitimate, it's a huge get. And then on top of that, another huge get. Apparently, uh, we've been getting some information from this horse's mouth. U.S. Special Forces have captured the ISIS commander in charge of making chemical weapons. This is a big get. The defense of confirmed. <laughs> well, all right, you and Chef are on the same. Oh, wavelength. you bet. It's a big get. You bet. And apparently, uh, so a ISIS is making chemical weapons. That's now just an assumed. Right. ISIS is making chemical weapons, and B, we've been torturing the guy. Weapons. This is a big get. The defense official confirms to Fox News that it has happened. The suspect's name is Suleiman Daoud Al Afari, and Delta Force commandos grabbed him last month. They got him during a raid in Talafar which is outside the ISIS stronghold of Mosul. We knew that they'd gotten somebody big there, but officials had refused to say exactly who it was until now. And Al-Afari has quite a resume. Iraqi officials say he used to help build chemical and biological weapons for Saddam Hussein. His capture is a big win, make no mistake, after the military deployed a commando force on the ground in December. Those troops dedicated to taking down the top leaders of the Islamic State. Let's get details now from Jennifer Griffin at the Pentagon. Tell us more about this guy. I mean, I know I sound like a big loony here, but I'm just having a hard time even buying the fact that ISIS has a chemical weapons commander. I could imagine there is. But a, remember, Chris, you know, ISIL has many affiliates all I think, over. Chase, I think you mean IS. Oh, Dash, sorry. Right. Uh, I, I could, if you came on the air and you told me there is a crazy maniac who thinks that the West is destroying the world and is developing chemical weapons and is pledging. Uh, alliance to ISIS. Like, I, that, like, ISIS, if you want to come at me and say ISIS is an ideology that people are pledging themselves to, and this one crazy guy is pledging himself to that ideology, yeah. and that there's a large group of psychopaths and contractors yep, yeah, out there yeah. pledging to an ideology, all right, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now we're talking the same language. Now you're, but if you're telling me there's a bureaucratic uh, organizational structure in which they have a specific chemical weapons commander, that's sounding a little bit like bullshit. Well, Shepard, we know he was a member of Saddam Hussein's now defunct military industrialization program specializing in chemical and biological weapons. Got to get the Saddam shot in there, right? Bush was right. Bush was right. An example of former Ba'athists who have joined ISIS, making it all the more lethal. The Pentagon is not publicly confirming that U.S. Delta Force operators captured the so-called chemical weapons emir last month. But the Iraqis are saying the 50-year-old Al-Afari was in charge of chemical weapons research and development. He's currently being held, we're told, at a temporary detention facility in Iraq, being interrogated by U.S. operators. He will eventually be handed over to the Iraqi ship. What kind of details is this detainee giving? Do we know? Well, what we understand is that the detainee has reportedly confirmed that ISIS fighters have managed to lace artillery shells with sulfur mustard, a powdered oh. form of this lethal chemical agent. This is not the same as mustard gas, but when the artillery shell explodes, it creates a dust cloud that can aggravate and even kill people on the ground. The Pentagon would not provide examples of ISIS having used sulfur mustard <laughs> until now, but the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons has documented such cases. What, I'm, what I can also tell you is that defense officials tell us that the interrogation of this high-value uh -huh. detainee is uh -huh. leading to follow-on operations. Oh, follow -on. Today, U.S. warplanes carried out airstrikes near Mosul, targeting, we're told, chemical weapons facilities, according to Pentagon officials. Right. All right, Jennifer Griffin at the Pentagon, thanks. The Changing the world one bomb at a time.
So there you go, Chase. We have a chemical weapons expert. We've got documents from IS. We've oh, got yeah. documents from bin Laden. It's it an orgy a, of evidence. It is a massive coup uh, for the war against terror. I'm sure it should be over in no time. Huge gad, ready to go by Election Day. Hey, but by the way, uh, we're going to be gearing up for some more, uh, just so you in know. In the Middle East this morning, Vice President Joe Biden promises the United States and its allies will squeeze the heart of ISIS. Ooh, that's good. I think he means IS. Or dash. Biden spoke at an Air Force base in the United Arab Emirates. In northern Iraq, Americans are helping local troops gear up for a new offensive against ISIS. Holly Williams and her crew got caught up in the chaos outside Iraq's second largest city. Holly, good morning. Good morning. Iraqi and American leaders have been talking about recapturing Mosul for over a year now. Yep. It's still not clear when the long-awaited battle will actually happen. But we visited Kurdish troops outside the city who are readying for the offensive. Get ready. Offensive. 20 miles from Mosul, Kurdish soldiers open fire. They've spotted what they think are two ISIS gunmen moving towards their post. So uh, why am I playing this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this. It's always you just see random sh- shooting off into the distance. You never see what they're shooting at. And uh, did you know that uh, when you're actually shooting a real weapon, it's not generally advised to just shoot in some general direction? No, no. I mean, you want to A, conserve ammo. B, you want to make sure you're not you know, killing a civilian by yeah. mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so I'm playing this because this is something we need to pay attention to, is this 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 offensive as they as they go into Mosul to, to reclaim it. And it's no wonder they're nervous here. The day before our visit, there was a coordinated ISIS attack. The Kurdish soldiers fought the extremists back and told us they killed nearly a hundred ISIS fighters. And that's ISIS over there. They're only about a mile away. We crossed into no man's land to inspect the aftermath. This is all that's left of a Humvee detonated by a suicide bomber. It's blown to smithereens. ISIS will doubtless use the same ruthless tactics. So they detonate this Humvee bomb. Uh, first of all, I love that ISIS has a Humvee. Second of all, I love that they do it just like a mile away from everybody. So they can get to it, but yeah, okay. Fend Mosul. ISIS is thought to have several thousand fighters in Mosul, but now they're stopping civilians from leaving the city, which means effectively that they have more than a million human shields. Wait, wait. Why did she flinch? No one else did. Yeah, because there's... And she's the only one wearing a helmet. No one else The only thing I can figure that doesn't make this entire thing theater uh, uh, wag the dog type thing is uh, that they get footage of when they're training, so that way the people and the camera operators aren't actually in danger. Right. And so when they're just shooting off into the distance, maybe they're in training mode, and that's why it looks like such bullshit. Yeah. uh... When ISIS captured Mosul nearly two years ago, many people cheered their convoy in the street. But General Najim al-Jabouri, who's leading preparations for the Mosul offensive, told us he's counting on the help of civilians. I think about 75 or 80 percent from the people in Mosul, they will support us. 80 percent will support you, but 20 percent are still supporting ISIS. Yeah, with ISIS. The general told us the fight for Mosul could last several months. 
Iraq says wow. the recent battle to reclaim Ramadi left 80% of the city destroyed. I think this is going to be one of the biggest stories uh, in this fight that we've covered in the show. That's why this is sort of the pre-show for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we mentioned the Humvee. Said in the ground floor. Yeah. What does ISIS usually drive? Uh, Toyota's You white. got it, buddy. You got it, buddy. And uh, for the last few weeks, uh, the Unfiltered crew here has been monitoring ISIS and Libya stories. And ISIS has been showing up. All over the place in Libya. And guess what they're driving? White Toyota pickups? Yeah. Now, Chase, I know uh, this is sort of impromptu here, but could you go to the Google Maps? I can. I can do yeah, that. Thank sure. you. Yeah, I, I yeah. know. I'm sorry. I should have warned you ahead of time. Yeah, that's all right. And what am, what am I going to the Google yeah, Maps Yeah, go, go Google Maps there. Uh, Maps.google.com, Chase. Right, I, I'm here. I'm looking at the could great specific Could you type Northwest? in Syria for me? All right. Syria. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and pull your screen up there. there Syria. All right. All right. Now, could you do a, a Maps to Libya, please? Or to Libya? To Libya. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. from Syria yeah, 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 there you yeah, go. to Libya. Sorry. There no, it's go. okay. It's okay. Uh, Chase, uh, I'm just, uh, hmm. I'm not really seeing a route there, Chase. Uh, actually, it says uh, they couldn't calculate directions. Now, to be fair, I mean, they don't really have great uh-huh. directions. L- uh-huh. Actually, hey, let me Chase, check flights. on the screen there, where is Syria? Because I can see Libya. I see uh, Libya yeah. there. So Syria is over here. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So you have to go through, uh, you know, Jordan, Israel, uh, Egypt, So Libya, do you Libya. think, do you right think there? it's likely... That ISIS drove through Jordan, Israel, Egypt, and brought the trucks to Libya? Or no. did they get them like, on like a ferry and take them over the water? I mean, maybe they took them over the water. I mean, yeah. it's possible. It's just weird. Like, where does ISIS get these uh, these trucks? By the way, can I, can I walk? Yeah, no, there you walking. go. No, 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 no. no. Sorry, Chase. Sorry. Right. Okay, all right. Anyways, your buddy, your good friend. My good friend. friend. Uh, John McCain. John McCain. He really wants us to get into Libya, and I have an audio clip here about that. You think we're doing enough now to, to stop this spread, particularly expansion in Libya? The, uh, the spread in Libya continues to be a challenge because of a lack of governance as well as uh, uh, the the breakup of the military and the, the multiple militias on the ground, and uh, we continue to uh, develop our situational understanding. I guess my question was, do you think we need to do more? Do you think we need to do yeah, more? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Do more? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the, inter- the international community and uh, Libyans all have to I'm do I'm not more. asking yes. about the international community. I'm- oh! I'm asking about the United States of America. Yes, I think the uh, we as part of that international community have to do more. Yes, sir. That's right, Chase. Do That's it. right. If there's a need for arrest. Yeah, woo! When the world is threatened. That's right. The world needs help. That's right. It calls on America. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the story. And, of course, we're also active in Somalia. Uh, The Pentagon has just told CNN that a U.S. drone strike in Somalia is suspected to have killed 150 fighters, terrorists belonging to the organization Al-Shabaab. Officials say this was a move to stop what the military claims was an imminent threat against U.S. troops. Barbara Starr joins me live now from the Pentagon. There has been a lot of activity in Somalia, Barbara. I'm now, I like because, you know, every now and then these anchors, they got to fill time or they're, they're a little lost on these complicated issues. So here's what I just just because I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a jerk, I guess. Uh, we're kind of a little fun here. Watch as she begins to lay out the chronological timeline of the way historical events happened and then ask Barbara, 
if that's if uh, well, I, you just have you wait and see. Wondering right. if this is a direct response. There was a an explosion at an airport. Luggage apparently with hidden laptops that were bombs. We had that flight uh, out of the airport in Somalia that blew up because a laptop exploded and sucked the bomber out the side. There's been a lot of Al Shabaab claims of responsibility for this kind of terrorist action. Is that what this is following? Well, it certainly is following it. Al- yes, those things follow <laughs> this thing. Yes, those things. Uh, yeah, those things those occur things. before those things occur. Yes, you yes. have time. Correct. Is following it, Ashley. There have been a number of very uh, resurgent attacks, as you say, by the Al Shabaab group in Somalia, Somalia in recent weeks. What the Pentagon announced to reporters a short time ago. Hey, Chase, where is Somalia? When you're looking at that. Oh, map Somalia, there. I already know where that yeah. is. I mean, if you could just pull yeah, that up there yeah, on the yeah, map yeah, just yeah. while we're going. Yeah, so Somalia's down here. See. Yeah, yep, there you go. I know and my geography. Continent being the continent of Africa. That's correct. It's uh, right next to Ethiopia. Hmm. Ye- 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 Yemen is the north. Chase, which, did, did Djibouti. which continent? It is uh, Libya. On. Uh, they're also in the African continent. Oh. Yeah, yeah. See, on Saturday, they did a drone strike against a uh, suspected Al Shabaab camp north of Mogadishu. And they say there were about 200 fighters there, and they were in the final stages of an imminent attack against U.S. troops and African peacekeeping troops in Somalia. Africa peacekeeping troops. Uh, so we killed 150 of them. The U.S., very well known, keeps a small number of troops at the airport in Mogadishu, and they go other places in the country to very conduct well some assistance efforts uh, working with the African forces Ebola. there. Uh, so that presence is very well known. What the imminent threat was against those U.S. troops, the Pentagon is insane, but they are saying this was a drone attack, unmanned drones firing missiles at a training camp, killing, they believe, 150 on the ground. But kill 150 people and we don't have identities for them. We don't know, mm-hmm. we don't know who we killed. Very unusual and rather striking. Uh, drones carry precision missiles that go against very pinpoint targets. Training camps tend, as you know better than anybody, to be dispersed. Personnel out in the open, moving around, or sleeping in very dispersed areas. So it's not at all clear in this very initial report from the Pentagon how they use drones to kill 150 people at a dispersed training camp. Yeah, uh, we'll have more links in the show notes and in the unfiltered subreddit. The uh, unfiltered subreddit crew over there has been following it, but yeah, we don't know the identities, Chase. We don't. No, uh, well, we don't know who they yeah. are. Mm-hmm. But they you can, know, maybe they can bang them. So uh, one of the things I love is uh, ever since Turkey shot down one of Russia's jets, right? RT has been going after Turkey. <laughs> They're not happy. No, and, and what's great is finally some good dirt about Turkey is coming out. It's good. Going to start with the breaking news of fresh evidence emerging of Turkey's apparent support for jihadists in Syria. Now, this has been a conviction right here on your Unfilter show uh, for a very long time. Since the beginning, we think that Turkey has been one of the key medical and gear and training suppliers of ISIS terrorists. RT has filmed what appears to be trucks heading from a Turkish border checkpoint to the Syrian town of Azaz where Nusra Front fighters are said to control parts of the city. One of our correspondents was on the Turkey-Syria border, just metres away from what looked like Nusra Front positions, identified by black flags. 
TV crews seldom manage to get so close to militant forces in the area. RT's Lizzie Phelan travelled with the Syrian Kurdish forces, the YPG. They're the main anti-ISIL fighters on the ground and have recently been shelled by Turkey from across the border. We're right next to the Turkish border. Uh, beyond you can see the, the Turkish city of Kilis. The YPG say that uh, al-Nusra have taken down most of their flags because they fear uh, airstrikes uh, since they're excluded from the ceasefire agreement. But we can see three flying here. We're extremely close to al-Nusra positions, uh, not more than 50 meters away from us. From here, we've got an even better view of that al-Nusra flag. I could literally walk there within a minute. Yeah, there it is. Wow, this is how much more legit does this feel than the uh, piece we just played? A couple of- feels much more legit. Of Azaz, that Turkey is determined to prevent the YPG from taking. Just a few, just a, a little beyond that, you can see the Bab al Salam border. So Turkey is super excited here because they have themselves right there. That's the shot. They have that is that is the golden shot. They have themselves proof of Turkey doing the supply lines to the uh, Syrian. Uh, to, so there's a spot. There's a spot in Syria being controlled by ISIS, mm-hmm. and that's tr- trucks from Turkey drive right in there, Chase, driving right in there. So have you heard now for those of, that maybe are new to the show, you know, we've got we've picked up some new audience members who are getting interested in the 2016 election and uh, they don't really know your background. What do you mean? Well, they don't know that. Oh, they don't know what I do. Right. And I don't know how much and what I've done. I don't know how much you want to say on the show. But well, I mean, I can I could definitely review. I mean, when when I first started the show with Chris, I was working with the Nielsen television ratings and I've been with them for over 10 years as a field engineer. Super interesting insights into how the industry, uh, how it's measured. And, and what's really counted and not counted. Which is great perspective, too, now on an audience-funded show that, like, totally eschews the whole... Oh, yeah. It rocks the system completely. Because, obviously, whenever you watch, say, Fox News, MSNBC, uh, CNN, it doesn't matter. Obviously, the bottom line is if you're not watching, they're not getting paid. That's and if, right. And if they're not getting paid, guess what? People are going to lose jobs, right? <laughs> so... I learned a lot when it came to how shows and how things are tuned for certain demographics. Sure, sure. You know, uh, Chris and I, all yeah. the time when we see clips, we will stop the clip because of production value. Oh, yeah. And we'll, like, analyze that yeah. part of it. Plus, we've both edited video now for right. years and years and yeah. years. And then later on through uh, different jobs, you've ended up. I've, uh, I've, I am now working for a, a television station in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, I, I work in technology, so I'm not directly relating to the news. But you're hearing the buzz. But, oh, right? yeah, and I, and I see the inside clips, and, yeah. uh, you know, and I talk to reporters yeah. and anchors yeah. all the time. So and, I'm thinking, yeah. uh, if you will let me indulge in a local story here for Absolutely. a Absolutely. I'm thinking uh, this must have been one hell of a story around the office today. Como News starts right now. Maybe not even today, but, I mean, for the, at least the last few days. A Seattle neighborhood rocked awake by an ear-splitting sound. We could smell the gas before, and we could hear it hissing, but at that moment, I was thrown on the ground. Our own crew knocked over, feet away, when a building in Greenwood blew up, leveled by a natural gas explosion. The whole building just turned into matchsticks, and uh, we're, we're very lucky to have our lives. 
so this was a pretty big story here in yeah. Seattle. I mean, this thing went kablooey and just did a ton of damage to like 36 yeah. businesses around. Yeah. And you had our, uh, Como had crew. Uh, Como had crew out there filming like a fire uh, fire. Um, like I guess they were investigating a leak, right? So yeah. firefighters were out there investigating a leak. We were first on the scene. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah, first, first on the scene. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, honestly. Uh, uh, you know, and I know I'm biased on this, but uh, I believe Como they rocked the coverage on this. They really did because they. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, they actually had their anchors out there hosting the live remotes. I mean, they went, it was wall to wall live remotes. Yeah. But the the thing about these kind of events and news is this really when they try to go in and, and get information, and this is when they, I, in my opinion, they use the positive power of the media to to get information and to find out what the hell's going on. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. 11 a.m. I'm Brad Good. Live look now at the scene of destruction from Air Force. We continue oh, wow. our breaking news coverage here of what happened very early this morning at 85th Street and Greenwood Avenue in North Seattle. It looks like a war zone as you look down from Air Force. The damage and debris can be seen for blocks. Investigators are in there trying to figure out exactly what happened, if in fact this was a natural gas explosion, as is, has been reported, as well as trying to get through there and try to clean up and get businesses open. I gotta imagine that must have been a big story at work, though, since you guys had crew down there. Oh yeah, no, Eric Johnson, who's the anchor of the six, he actually at, at five o'clock p.m. yesterday was actually down there to the live remote. They tossed wow. at him. He was out in the field yeah. because it was such a big story and a yeah. big deal. And uh, yeah, um, I actually looked at the overnight ratings. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Como was number one overnight Rocket. ratings because honestly, you guys, yeah, it comes down to of course, you know, you want to have good quality, good graphics, good audio production, everything, yeah. everything comes together. But yeah, yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting thing. So uh, I'm trying to figure out this next story. It could be a play for ratings. It could be a play to increase industrial military contracts to sell weaponry, uh, or it could be getting us ready for the idea of going to war. I'm not sure. I'm going to get your take after we play this clip. All right. But overseas now, where right now there's a new tension on the Korean Peninsula. That as South Korean and U.S. troops conduct an annual joint military drill, North Korea threatens to respond to those exercises with what it calls an all-out offensive. All right. So this uh, military drill that's going on. Which they do every year. Between South Korea and the U.S. Uh, do you have a guess of how many troops are involved? Oh, over 100,000. You are correct. It's more than that. 150,000. More than that. Quarter of a million. It is 310,000 troops. Wow! Yeah. So, uh, of course, North is the most ever. It's the historically largest ever. So, North Korea, they've got to they got to respond. They got to be tough, right? Right. They got to. They, we got to puff our chest up and talk. We got to play some VLC video. You know, what we got to do what? Talk about miniaturized nukes. Scary. Kim Jong Un says this is a miniaturized nuclear warhead that actually just looks like a disco ball with CDs in it. Actually, that looks like the ball from the drop in New York when they got rid of it, <laughs> and they're You're using right. it. Yeah, it's yeah. totally what it is. A capability the world hoped North Korea would never reach, but some U.S. officials feared they already had. The location and date of these photos is unknown. Intelligence agencies around the world will be poring over them to assess what it tells them about the true capability of the nation that just days ago threatened nuclear war on the U.S. and South Korea. Is this a real nuclear weapon? What kind of missile is this? And is this a blueprint blurred out behind Kim Jong-un? <laughs> South Korea casts doubt on its neighbor's claim, saying in a press release, the South Korea Defense Ministry assesses that North Korea at this point has not secured the capability of miniaturizing a nuclear warhead. North Korea observers say Kim Jong-un's message is the same, whether the warhead is real or not. 
this is part of uh, the regime's long-term strategy to be accepted as a peer. New. I like this guy, and I believe him because he wears a tie, he's shaved, and he's sitting in front of a MacBook. And it's in front of a black screen, a uh, black uh, curtain. You Must know, be totally one hundred percent legit. So they continue to uh, pressure the international community and to show that they will not uh, reverse course. This is uh, a show of defiance. Defiance, it has shown all year. This is a globe. Jan- a show of defiance. A sh- I love that. A show of defiance against. Defiance implies you have a master. You are defiant against your master. Who's the master? United States of America? Obama? Who are they being defiant against? It claimed to have successfully tested a hydrogen bomb, a claim that was widely discredited. February 7th, a satellite launch seen outside the country as a long-range missile test. The BBC has a report that says that they are two years off from getting a nuke bomb. Two wow. years off. But yeah, yeah, we got to freak out about it. I'm not quite sure, Chase. What do you think? Is it is it to get advertising for news networks? Is it to sell weapons to South Korea? Or is it something else? What am I missing I here? I think it's a something else because this is something that's not new. We've had this happen every – it feels like every other year. Um it, I can't put my finger on it yet. I'm going to let it percolate. Uh, All right. I'd yeah, like to sure. hear the audience's take, too, yeah. on filter.reddit.com. We'll have a feedback thread for 179. Rain is gone. All right. You ready to talk about the 2016 election? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Oh! What's you, going on? Let's start here. Hi, uh, Chris. With... I'm sorry your time is up. <laughs> you must play the clip now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Good evening. It is like nothing we've seen before in modern American political history. Yeah! Mitt Romney, the Republicans' last presidential nominee, hey, delivering uh, Chris, a... Hey, Chris, sir. can we... Uh, uh, I mean, I don't mean to pause it. Uh, is he just filling in for Brightway? Yeah, I, still. Still. Wow. Still. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I mean, Lester's good. I mean, wait, is it Saturday? He's It's the weekend, right? No, no, it's, no. This is what we watch now. You notice, first of all, Lester's gotten a little more gray. He's getting better, though. He is getting better. Well, this, yeah, when you practice every day, yeah. you, you, you're able to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so uh, this uh, this is an interesting moment. Uh, were you surprised when Romney came out? In fact, if I recall the order of operation, you sent me a message saying Romney's going to have an announcement. Didn't you send me something saying Romney's going to be speaking? Yeah. And, and then yeah. I also got a – I have subscribed to a couple of different services that send push notifications. Yeah. They all boop, 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 started and pushing And everybody me. went wall to wall live. Yeah. Hanging point-by-point takedown of his party's current frontrunner, Donald Trump. The Stop Trump movement <laughs> reaching a new level of urgency Pictures. with Romney in yeah. a speech that at a time sounded like an intervention labeling Trump a phony, eviscerating his policies as reckless and accurately predicting Trump would launch a counter-assault. It's clear we're witnessing open warfare tonight over the future of the Republican Party. And we have two reports, starting with NBC's Peter Alexander. In under 20 minutes, Mitt Romney branded his party's frontrunner as dishonest, dangerous, and dumb. This is actually uh, a huge risk. And I think think this is one of the worst decisions they've ever made. And I think Romney was duped into it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, they talked – see, Romney is so desperate to be relevant that he came out here and did this. But the the risk he's actually taking is that if Trump does become the nominee – that he has committed political suicide for the rest of his life. And the and whoever, if it's the RNC or whoever it is yeah. that talked him into doing this, yeah. they basically sacrificed him knowing yeah. that this was suicide. And the fact that this changed nothing because he came out and did this since we've had several election, uh, um, 
primaries, let's call it. Yeah, they're not elections. Yeah. Primaries. And it, it had zero impact on Trump's momentum. So it just proved how irrelevant he is now, uh, which is interesting because I was just talking to family members and they just have so much respect for him and think he's such a great man. And yet I think he was put out to be sacrificed by the RNC. So, so here's what I think. I heard his speech live. I, I listened to it. And while his points were valid, his points were solid. Actually, some of the points he stole from last week tonight with John Oliver, everything he said was fairly accurate, right? But he is doing exactly, he's like the anti of, of pushing people to vote for Trump because people are voting for Trump not necessarily because they agree with what he's saying. Uh, actually, I think quite the contrary. I think they're voting for him because he's not the establishment. And I think you and he's, nailed it. And he's he what what Romney is doing here is essentially reestablishing the yes. establishment. Thank you. Oh my and, God, you're nailing it. I and, love it. Yes. And when he, with yeah. him doing this, yeah. and by the way, Chris and I did not talk about this pre- previously. No, no, I completely agree. So though. with with Romney doing this, he's essentially causing. People to do. If you look at the numbers since this speech, and yep. we'll review it. Yep. More people went for for Trump, and here's what's going to happen. Okay. And I already told Chris about this, and then we're going to have a, probably maybe a clip about this later. But see, Rubio should be out by now, right? Yeah. He should be gone. I mean, he should he's, be. I mean, he should be totally gone. Uh, Kasich has no chance in hell, uh, and obviously Cruz. Not even the Republican Party wants Cruz. Okay, they don't really like Cruz. They kind of wanted Rubio. So here's they barely what, wanted Rubio. They, they wanted Bush. Yeah, they wanted Bush, but they're gonna they would settle for Rubio. They don't want Cruz. But here's the deal, right? They don't want Trump at all. So what they're hoping for is Kasich. Kasich. I can never say his name. Kasich right? stays in. Rubio stays in. And then what happens is all of them. They're leeching numbers from Trump the right, entire time. So they can't get to the magic number of delegates. It gets to the convention as a contested convention. They're able to exercise rule like 40 or whatever it is, the special exemption rule or whatever. They revote at the convention. And, and then this is the biggest danger of it all. They revote at the convention to give it to, say, Rubio or some other guy, right? Or even Mitt Romney, right? They could pick whoever the hell they want. And then what happens is the Republican Party fractures, there's a third-party candidate, and then we're screwed all the hell. So uh, Mitt Romney tries to essentially prevent this exact scenario by getting people— That's what he thinks. That's what he thinks he's doing. what I know. Donald Trump is a phony, a fraud. His promises are as worthless as a degree from Trump University. Dean of the Republican Party and its last nominee today vilified the man best positioned to succeed him. But you say, wait, wait, wait. Isn't he a huge business success? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. So he really went after him here, which is, oh man, it's so interesting to watch a party tear down one of their own candidates so the Democrats can just sit back and let them come up with all of the all of the sore yeah, points yeah. and then just attack them on that. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch it. And so, again, no, no dent in the momentum. However, if you look at the delegates right now. If anything, it pushed. Cruz is doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, Cruz he, is catching yeah, push, up. Uh, Cruz won. In Idaho. I know he did very, very well in um, Michigan. Did you hear about your gal? My, my, my who? Uh, uh, yep, Carly. Carly. She's throwing me I have to tell you, last Tuesday. Oh. Uh, 
How, how's HP, by the way? Yikes, that, that voice. I gotta, hold on, I gotta bring down the EQ on this a little bit. My husband Frank and I live in Virginia, where we met and married over 30 years ago. Oh, we that's live. that's great. Yeah, you know, isn't it funny how she has to always, she always does that. And I actually think it's demeaning to women, because she never speaks at a, like, she, whenever she opens up, whenever she begins, she pays, like, over homage to her husband and her family. And it's not that she shouldn't be proud of them, it's almost like that she's establishing her authority to speak on it because she's so respectful to her man. And it feels degrading to women because she simply does it all the time. Whenever you watch her speak, before she starts, she always makes some sort of tribute to them that sounds like she's putting herself in her place. Yeah, yeah. Married over 30 years ago. We live near our daughter, son-in-law, and two granddaughters. And last Tuesday... Why did she say any of that? Because she's trying to paint a picture of who she is. I agree, but she does it every single damn time. Because people don't know who she is. Tuesday, my husband Frank and I live in Virginia, where we met and married over 30 years ago. We live near our daughter, son-in-law, and two granddaughters. And last Tuesday, we had a primary. And I walked into the ballot box, and I looked at the ballot, and I saw my own name on the ballot. It was kind of a thrill. But then I checked the box for Ted Cruz, and I'm here to tell you why. Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. The truth is that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are two sides of the same coin. What? Now, here's something I haven't heard a lot of. And she says that that Trump is part of the effing system, man. Trump's keeping you down, man. He's part of the political structure, man. Wow, man. And she actually kind of makes a compelling case for it. Reform the system, they are the system. <laughs> Hillary Clinton has made millions of dollars selling access and influence from the inside, and Donald Trump has made billions of dollars buying people like Hillary Clinton. They are the system, they will not reform it. Kind of a good argument, actually, don't you think? Not bad. That's not, not bad because she, she's just taking something Trump's been bragging about all these years and been she like. She obviously wants a position if Cruz wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I've, oh, yeah. Actually. Oh, the Cruz comes on by, by the way. You see that good hug? You, you, you see the, the back. The back yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice job. Yeah, good nice to job. see you, buddy. Good by the way, you it. know the signs that say trust Ted? You see those? Yeah. I read it as trusted. As in past tense, like we used to trust you. Oh. I think it's a bad choice. Uh, you used to be trusted. She's a woman. She's a woman. And everybody. she supports me. That's a woman. Now let's hear him preach. Wow. I don't even think she has a penis. <laughs> she might, but I don't think so. Isn't Carly extraordinary? Oh. Stop preaching, please. Please. We just heard a whole bunch of Democratic activists and Hillary supporters. You know what? The audio is so bad. I'm going to cut it off there because uh, you're going to have to put up with more crews later. So I don't uh, want to, I don't want to burn you out now because I know how. I just I, I'm sorry. His cadence and his just. Uh, you know, I got you know what the problem is, is if Obama hadn't done it first, it wouldn't bother me so much. But it's like, you know, what? you're just copying Obama. Just copy and Barry. Come on now. So uh, I'm I'm playing this next clip because I think producer Matt put it in here just for you. 
for me. Yeah. Okay. And uh, now to be clear, this this I think like aired originally like February 26th, so it's technically kind of old news. But I'm willing to bet you didn't catch this. All right. Because I know uh, you've sort of been astrayed from your former good friend, my good buddy. But you kind of were a little pissed off after he dropped out of the race. Yeah. Lindsey Graham. Oh, Lindsey. <laughs> Lindsey Graham's dropping the. Oh, uh, how's yeah, Lindsey? Yeah. Well, he's going I think What's for a comedy show. Yeah. Oh, check really? This out. Good uh, Republican would defend Ted Cruz after tonight. That ain't happening. Oh! <laughs> oh shoot! Lindsey's crack. If you kill Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate, wait, what? What? Whoa! What whoa. did he just say? Whoa! Whoa! I'm sorry, but uh, buddy, Lindsay, the floor of the Senate. I'm sorry, what? And the trial was in the Senate. Nobody could convict you. <laughs> oh, bird! The Donald. I am literally running out of adjectives. So he has this whole, it's like a, it's like a two minute bit, uh, which I will have in the uh, supporter sink if you want it. <sighs> you can go catch it. It's this good. doesn't help them. This is not helping no, them. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. So let's talk about Hill Dog because mm. something significant's developed. The Justice Department is granting immunity to a former State Department staffer who Uh-oh. set up Hillary's private email server. What is the Clinton campaign Wait, saying? By the way, Joe- full disclosure, Michaela Pereira, former Tech TV. Yeah. So I, I got to I got to be honest with you. I, I think it's pretty low class that uh, what. So this is a bombshell. Giving, yeah. Giving immunity to a staffer. Get what they're what you're essentially By saying. By the way, is, this previous staffer what did testify before and was constantly pleading the fifth. So you got to realize they only offer immunity. <clears throat> when they know yes. they can get some hard evidence, and that they that's think, key, and that that's that that person isn't the person you want. You want a bigger fish, right? And so you're willing to give on that. Yes, and so that's a big deal. It is. A, it is such a big deal that uh, that I think it's potentially the biggest milestone in this case so yes. far. And what I think is kind of reprehensible about what CNN is about to do here is this is a bombshell, and what they do with it is. Let's go to the Clinton campaign for reaction, oh. which is let's get the spin control. It, it sounds legitimate on the surface, but it's let's get the spin. Okay. What is the Clinton campaign saying? Joe Johns is live in Washington with more on that. Joe. No big. Michaela, they say they're welcoming it. There's plenty of rhetoric on the Republican side claiming this is an ominous development, but it can also be seen as a step toward injecting some transparency into the issue of those State Department emails on the private server of the former Secretary of State. It's the move that could once and for all get the questions about the State Department emails answered that have been dogging Hillary Clinton and her campaign. Brian Pagliano was forced to invoke his right against self-incrimination due in no small part to a congressional investigation. Now, it is common practice for lawyers to advise clients to shut up in situations like that until some arrangement is made. Now he's free to talk to federal investigators without the threat of prosecution as long as he sticks to the truth. Pagliano is the former Clinton staffer who helped her set up her email server. Now that federal investigators have secured his cooperation, they can enter the part of the investigation to determine whether any laws were broken. The Clinton campaign's been saying all of this information needs to get out in the open. Uh That was the message on Wednesday. Why are we going to what the Clinton campaign says? Why is that our, our Well, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. To be fair, you know, if your campaign's being investigated, they're going to get a comment from your campaign. 
or, or mm. from the person of your campaign. Yeah, I so, agree. I, mean, I, don't think it's in, I don't think it's inappropriate to have a comment, but to base the entire report on what they're saying, no, that yeah, seems like you're letting them drive the story. That's true. I so, agree with that. I got a little uh, problem here for your body, Bill Clinton. Uh, what's he well, up to? So uh, he I'm might get in trouble. Her. He might be. He might be getting in trouble. From the Democrat camp, almost a hundred thousand people have signed a petition demanding the arrest of former U.S. President Bill Clinton. It's alleged crime. So former oh, President Bill Clinton. This is the Boston situation. Thousands of petitions signed. Chase, what did he do? Oh, he was at a polling place. Oh, you got it. You got. Legally campaigning for his wife. The petition claims he violated election rules in the states of Massachusetts during this week's primary there. According to the state's law, it is forbidden to campaign within 150 metres of any polling station. We'll take a look at this video, video evidence that the petition's put forward, and this is what uh, the petition's based on. You God, make your I, own love, mind up. I love the cell phones have cameras. So here's the polling place. Uh, who's that guy right there? Uh, that's my good friend, Bill Clinton. What's great is there's like three other ladies taking pictures of him. Like, he must have known what was going on. So here, here, here's what I think, and uh, I was reading this, and I agree with uh, some of the things that I read. He, they measured that, yeah, they might get fined, whatever. The, the, the positive to negative ratio on this, you go for it. <laughs> Well, certainly on the face of it, little doubt that he was uh, well within 150 metres of that place. In fact, he seemed to be inside that polling station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's well within 150. I think he's actually in it. I was not inside that uh, polling place. <laughs> uh, I got close with that woman, but I, you know, all I did. I love that. Chris, you know, all I did really was I just said hi to her. Is that a cigar? And, you know, I, I got one of those I voted stickers to so add to my collection. Let's get real here, though. What happened? happens if the Donald wins Florida? If Let's you win real. Florida, if you win Ohio, is it over? Oh my I think so, yeah. I think if I win those two, I think it's over. And uh, I thought Kasich said after Michigan he was going to drop out, to be honest with you. He was saying that... He did say that, and Kasich was supposed to drop out. He's not dropped out right now because they are trying to beat you. Because, remember my theory... He will win Michigan. He will win it easily. And he's he now saying Ohio. If he, if he doesn't no, win now Ohio. Now he's saying Ohio. But no, no, he said Michigan. He would said, you know, it's his neighbor. And he said he's going to win Michigan. And he was pretty confident of Michigan. And I thought he said he was going to drop out if he lost Michigan. Uh, but I guess he's not going to do that. Uh, so I think we're going to do very well in Ohio. I know Ohio very well. I have many, many you friends. You think he'll win there? Well, even not Paul O'Neill of the Yankees endorsed me. He's from Ohio. Great guy. And he endorsed me last night at the press conference. Uh, I think I'll win Ohio, yeah. And I think we're, I mean, we just have better policies. The country is sick and tired of what oh, they're seeing. The country is sick and tired of these politicians that talk, and it's all talk, no action. And they're tired of it, Anderson. So if Kasich drops, if you win Ohio, Kasich drops out, and you win Florida, and Rubio's gone, uh, and it's just you and Cruz, if you don't get all the delegates needed to win by the convention... Well, I think if I win Ohio and if I win Florida, pretty much... You're going to be pretty much assured of doing that. You think? Oh, let's just stop right there. You, you know, because you know I'm huge, and you know I look <laughs> at the numbers, and you know it's going to be Anderson. But Cruz has a has at least a compelling argument. Our objective is to compete to win in every state, and if conservatives continue to unite, yes, we can win in any state in the union. Unite, by the way, that's translate to mean everybody that's supporting Kasich or Rubio. You need to get on my or Carson, who just announced he's pulling out. You need to get behind me. That's what unite means. And the more this gets down to a two-man race, the more decisively we win. Because in a two-man race, Donald Trump has a hard ceiling of 35 to 40 percent that he can't get above. 
Now, Donald benefits when there are multiple candidates that are splintering the opposition. Donald wants the other candidates to remain in the race because it splinters his opposition. When the opposition unifies, Donald loses. So what I would encourage is the men and women of Florida, if you don't want to see Donald Trump as the nominee, if you don't want to see Hillary Clinton as the next president, I encourage you to join us because we are the only campaign in the position to beat Donald Trump. Oh, that's a pretty good pitch. And he's right. Like, if you uh, check the delegates right now, I don't know, I don't know if you've uh, looked recently. I have looked. Yes. Uh, Cruz is, like, only, like, 30 behind. Well, actually, I guess I haven't. Uh, I'll check it real quick as I talk. Yeah, sure. You know, as I look right now, I, because, you know, I can't just uh, – You could, Google's just telling you right now, right off the top. Cruz has got <clears> – this <throat> changed, actually. Trump has 458 delegates, and uh, Cruz has 359. So, yeah, well, yeah. Rubio has 151, and Kasich has 54. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. That's, no, that's not good. Not good for Kasich. Kasich is basically hanging in there for some reason. Uh, and uh, yeah. You heard my theory on that. Yes, I did. We have more clips, by, by the way, about that uh, in the supporter sync about all of this. And now it's really going to be just the next few weeks to see how things uh, go. Uh, a lot of people – got you got to imagine the, the establishment is really uniting against Trump right now. It's fascinating to watch also Sanders do so well. Uh, if you look at it, he numbers pulled off wise, the statistical upset of the election at this point. You have the Sanders surprise in Michigan, and uh, if you look, if you take out the superdelegates, the people, the people are voting for. They're Sanders. They're very close. Yeah, the people want Sanders, and so the Democratic Party has an interesting challenge coming up. Well, here's here's the thing. You know, Hillary, I think, still feels burned. Get it from when she went against Obama. Oh. And, you know, obviously she didn't get the nomination. Obama beat her out. They're, they're using the example from New, New Hampshire when Obama was rolling through and then all of a sudden lost New Hampshire against Hillary, I think it was. Uh, or it was the other way around. It was one of those two. And so I think at this point, you know, with, with Bernie obviously having momentum – and getting mm. the uh, well, I think he is. I really do. I, I've I've been predicting for a while now that after Michigan, he's going after the states that count for him. Yeah, I like I, for example, he knew he was going to lose like Mississippi, right? I he still, lost it by a I, landslide. I think Bernie's wins are mostly over now, but we'll see. You think he? Well, you don't think he's going to get any more wins? No, I'm not saying that. I'm oh. just saying uh, in ter- in terms of the uh, momentum he needs to actually beat Hillary, I don't think right. it's going to be sustainable. Mm. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <clears throat> But uh, I here's the thing. If it came down to either Hillary versus Cruz or even Hillary versus Trump in either event, this would be honestly the first election that I would hate both. I would hate all. Yeah. That's and, been the last couple for me. And I know then people are going to say, well, see, that means you're a you're definitive Sanders supporter. The point that I always go back to, especially with Sanders is obviously the whole you know Citizens United decision and uh, the super PACs and the money in politics and we and obviously when we talk about money on the show all the time we see how it you know we always say what do we always say yeah we always say that and we see how it's always influenced now obviously Here's my problem with that yeah is, I mean uh, what's the super PAC behind Sanders there isn't right and you're sitting here telling me about how well Sanders is doing and what's the super PAC behind Trump. Oh, well. There isn't. Well, but then again, Trump's got. There's super PACs. I he's guess got actually, billions. There, no, but actually, he's barred, but remember, he's barring, he's barring against himself. Yeah, I know, but that's not fair, too, because yeah. there are some super PACs that are buying it. But yeah. my point is, is both 
right now, both Trump and Sanders show us that Citizens United, while awful and and horrible, isn't necessarily doesn't have the nut hold that we all say but it does. This, because Sanders, while Sanders is up there talking about campaign finance, is the very example of how there is still another way to do this, and the internet and crowdfunding right. makes it more possible than ever. So this could be I mean, the problem is this could be potentially one of the just on both candidates that you know we all just don't really like. I mean, man, what about the future of the next four years in any side, whether you go Republican or Democrat on this or if or will there be a splintering? Will there be a so third party? My bet what is will happen. I still it's think it's incredible. My long bet is if Trump gets in well, your long bet, Hillary, we, we already know your long bet. My long bet is if uh, if if Trump gets in, it eventually goes the VPN eventually runs things. Uh, if Hillary gets in, she's one term. That's my long. That's my long bet. We'll see, Chase. All right, I got a high note to bring us out on. Let's end on a high note. It's from a uh, local uh, news, too, which is uh, always fun because, you know, Washington right up there with recreation. Number one, one. they were first. Number one, Chase, number one. Oh, I heard about this. Thanks in part to an assistant coach who played for the Lancers, the Huskies. Stand by. Let me start it over. Let me start it over. That's Simony Kim, by the way, if you uh, you want to Google her. The Lakes High School football team had a successful 2015 season. Thanks in part to an assistant coach who played for the Lancers, the Huskies, and the Seahawks. Still, there is a shakeup that has nothing to do with football fields. And as Cairo 7's Amy Clancy learned, it has everything to do with grass. Uh, One of the most popular and successful football coaches the Lakes Lancers have ever had has been told he is not welcome back next year. Not because of any problem on the field, but because of what he does for a living. We will be offering the premium cannabis experiences for Washington State. William Butler is excited about his new business as a soon-to-be licensed Tier 3 cannabis producer and processor. What's Tier 3? I, I don't know what all the different tiers are. I didn't either. Are there like classier tiers? No, I think it's based on production volume probably. Okay, so you're telling. So I like that they have them out on a field, even though it doesn't work for the district anymore. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. That's setting the tone. Uh, so he's a tier three provider. Yeah, I'd like to look into this. Yeah. What these tiers are. A soon to be licensed tier three cannabis producer and processor. He and his partners will break ground on a thirty thousand square foot growing site on Monday, but he told Cairo Seven his legal marijuana plans have ended. <laughs> His two-year run as Lakes High School's assistant football coach. And it really hit me hard. I actually broke down and started crying. We made it third in the state last year after going a couple of years without even making it in the playoffs. So I do think I contributed to the school, and I do think that I still can. Butler, who played for the Lancers, the Huskies, and the Seahawks, doesn't blame the coach at Lakes, whom he admires and supports, but said the decision was made by the Clover Park School District. Its spokesperson gave no reason for Butler's termination, but in a statement claimed coaching adjustments are made regularly depending on the needs of the team and best interest of student athletes. So they make it sound like he's the coach, but he's really just the assistant coach. But what I find interesting, it wasn't a piss test. It's just they found out that he was working with this company. Did they? Did they find out? That's my ultimate question when I heard about this story. Like, how would they even know? Did they get inside info? Did yeah, he, I know, right? Did he uh, advertise it? Yes, I think so. So that's the thing. So... It, he has now. Granted, they say, "Yeah, well, season the season." Yada. He wasn't. You know, we just decided to make a change. However, if he can prove, if he can prove that because of this change, I don't know. But there's no discrimination because it's legal, right? So. Oh, I see. I see. So, uh, 
<clears throat> Rikai has linked us the different uh, tiers yeah. and what they mean. And uh, I'll throw a link in the uh, in the show notes because we don't probably want to go through it right now. But it looks interesting. Okay. So, we got, okay. so you're, thinking, you're thinking there's maybe more than there. There's more than what we know. That's I what I'm I also don't like that they, they titled this story High School Football Coach Fired. And not high, fo- high, high school assistant well, coach? No. High school, he's a coach. He's an assistant head coach. coach. Well, but a coach is a coach. No. No, actually. Not I head coach. He's a coach. A coach, head coach, is like on the district payroll, like an employee. And an assistant coach is like a contractor. There's a difference. Oh, really? Oh, it's, it's a, a team it's a and best interest okay. of student athletes. No reference at all to pot. Butler fears others in the legal pot industry who work with kids may face similar scrutiny. And we're at the cutting edge of a great industry, and I'm proud to be on the forefront of it. Butler is still hopeful the district will reconsider and that he will be back in the locker room in the fall. Reporting in Lakewood, Amy Clancy, Cairo 7 News. Tim Butler told us that he will miss the players the most, but he won't give up what will likely be a lucrative business in order to coach for $6,000 a year. As he told us, he has his own family to support. <laughs> so he's getting like $6,000 a year. Yeah, it's a stipend. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, A lot of these coaches, even head coaches, yeah. they do it as a labor yeah, That's, that's going to be nothing compared to the money he's yeah. going to be making it on a tier three marijuana business, <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. He's going to be raking it in, Mr. Chase. Well, Speaking t- of raking it in, oh. we just Ranked Hey-o. in episode one seventy nine. Look That's at us. Right, yeah. This is Roke. Roke. What's and, the, what's, and, the, what's the what's the if you raked? Is it just raked? Raked. You've you because you, you haven't you've raked. You haven't raked. Roked or roked? Is no. it roked? I don't know. It's weird. Well, you know, on our next next edition will be episode one eighty, and we'll come full circle on that, uh, or a half circle at least. Hmm. Three sixty. That's Anderson Cooper. And if there is a story you want us to cover in one eighty, go to unfiltered.reddit.com. You can submit it there, vote on it, or comment. Don't forget you can keep us on the air by going to patreon.com slash unfilter and stay tuned for the overtime coming up in a little bit. Yeah, because you're going you're gonna to drop a little tease. Now, Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. If people want to follow you throughout the week, maybe you got a spot online they could go to. Yeah, you know, you can follow me on the Twitter. What? Yeah. At Nunes. N-U-N-E-S. Shoot, boy. E-S. Yeah. It's five characters yeah. long. I give you more yeah. information. You know, yeah. if you were following me on Twitter... You would have noticed that a, a huge tree branch about 20 I feet saw long you got nearly, a break, man. nearly missed my house. I was grousing about the storm on my Twitter, too, at Chris L-A-S. Really? So, been out of power since about 3 or 4 a.m. Oh, up in LaConnor. Oh, it's brutal. Thanks to Lady Jupiter, though, we got about two days of battery power. So, we should okay. be all right. The fridge will stay online. But, like, when I go to run the heater or if I need to run the microwave... The autogen so like the a, generator on. So like a starship, you know, you have yeah. you can go to batteries. Yeah. yeah, I got I got auxiliary power. Yeah, you know, I wish on the Enterprise they would show us where the batteries were. Oh man, I would love an episode. Go to battery power. I would love a series. It was like from the engineer's perspective. That'd be great. And we are going to launch that new Star Trek show sure, once sure. that. Yeah, yeah, one of these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. So go over to jblive.tv to watch this show live. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash counter to find out when we do it live because we did change to Thursday. This we're going week. back to Wednesday. Oh right? yeah, we should be. I think. Okay. I don't know. Let's talk about that. All right. Does Thursday work for you? Um, no. Thursdays or Wednesdays. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll talk more. All right. Sounds but good. Jupiter Broadcasting Note Counter always has it. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you back here next week. week. All right. All right. Let's quit messing around. This is ridiculous. Let's get down into the overtime. It's overtime show officially now. Enter in the overtime. 
That's right. Stand by. for episode 179 of your unfiltered show. Here we go! start the overtime section with some cyber stories. We always like to start the main show with some cyber coverage, but why not start overtime with some cyber coverage? Like the good old days, we're going to start with a Snowden update. This clip would have been great to play in the main show. I would have loved to play this clip in the main show, but man, is Snowden's audio so bad. I mean, I want to I want you to hear what Snowden has to say, but this is ridiculous. The FBI standoff against Apple continues, and former NSA contractor Edward Snowden is throwing in his two cents via satellite during a conference on surveillance, democracy, and civil society. So just what did the whistleblower have to say about the FBI that raised a few eyebrows? RT's Manila Chan has the story. Strong words from the world's most famous whistleblower, Edward Snowden, telling a room of people at the Common Cause Group's Blueprint for Democracy conference yesterday that the FBI's claims in court that only Apple themselves could help solve the terror attack in San Bernardino last year was, well, too coarse for me to say on air. Take a listen. So rather than you having to take some action, it happens without your help. Now, we- now you hear what I'm, you see what I'm saying here. This is just real bad. Uh, but he does have something interesting to say. And it's also kind of interesting to observe Snowden's presentation style, if you will. So it's kind of interesting from a, a couple of different uh, st- viewpoints. But unfortunately, yeah, the uh, audio itself is pretty hard to understand. So buckle in and uh, – or buckle, buckle down, I guess, and uh, hear what he has to say. Evidence today of methods that do work. The Apple versus the FBI case is a good example of this. The FBI would not be as pissed off as they are <laughs> if it was not effective. Now, there is a uh, The FBI is working in court that Apple has the exclusive technical means. These are the words in their report documents. Exclusive technical means of getting this phone. Uh, respectfully, that's what <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I had to bleep shit. What the former NSA contractor was talking about was that the FBI managed to sway a federal judge that Apple must be compelled to create new software to be able to hack the iPhone 5C of Syed Rizwan Farouk, the San Bernardino shooter. Many technologists and hackers agree, though, that these are hyperbolic claims from James Comey, the FBI director, Snowden, and other hackers citing that federal agents could have relatively easily accessed Farouk's iCloud had they not fumbled and reset the password, which ultimately ended up deleting possible evidence after one too many attempts, or trying other options like decapping the memory chip on the phone and accessing it outside of the iPhone, even just resetting the phone's internal counter so you can have endless attempts at passcodes. 
risky options, but feasible, according to security experts. So if these options exist, why are the feds seeking judicial interference on this matter? Some argue that it's to set a new legal precedence that can be cited in future cases, which, as Apple CEO Tim Cook said, this is not a matter of creating one back door, that it's essentially creating a master key. And if the legal precedence is set in this case, that can mean similar rulings to any other communications and technology company going forward. In Washington, Manila Chan, RT. I would agree with that. I think that's actually pretty good analysis from uh, RT's reporter there. So now let's go to analysis from another news network. Uh, let's let's just admit right up front, arguably the uh, a much larger news network, not even really comparable to RT. Of course, that would be uh, our friends over at the CBS Morning News. Remembering all your passwords you know can be a pain, and one survey found that 20% of people keep track of their passwords in a notepad, 10% have a list near their computer, and 8% store them on their smartphones. But technology could make passwords a thing of the past, so says Dan Ackerman. He's senior editor with our partners at CNET, and he joins us at the table to explain. A world with no passwords, you see that really? Well, the system we have now is so unsustainable where you have to have a unique password for every site or service you use. You have to change them occasionally. They have copy, complicated formulas they need. You need a capital letter with lowercase, yeah. seven digits or more, yeah. a symbol in there. Yeah. It, it, nobody, no rational human being can actually keep track of all these passwords. So what do you recommend? Yeah. Well, in, in the future, we're moving towards a biometric security system. You already have that, in a sense, on your iPhone where you log in with your fingerprint or other phones. Or my laptop, I can log in just by having it look at me. Uh, but right now, that's sort of a first-generation solution because it doesn't replace the password. It's sort of an overlay. The password is still there underlying everything. I heard something about a selfie password because I tried the fingerprint thing, Dan. Selfie password! And then I couldn't remember what finger I used. That, that's, that tells you how much I use a fingerprint. I could not remember. I'm so used to Okay, so <laughs> she used the fingerprint sensor and, and then couldn't remember which finger she used. First of all, you got to train the thing like what, like five, five to a dozen times. You got to scan your fingers, so that's pretty repetitive to forget. But second of all, how many fingers do you got? It, you're not, you're, you're not gonna like. I just like I, this. This is a. This just baffles me. Finger I used. That, that's, that tells you how much I use a fingerprint. I could not remember. I'm so used to typing it in things, so I, I abandoned that idea. But I heard something about a selfie password. Well, there's all the credit card companies and the banks in particular are very concerned about this. So they're trying all sorts of new things like using your phone as a two-factor authentication to get into an ATM machine. Or uh, MasterCard is trying something where if you try to buy something online, it'll say, you know, the app, the MasterCard app on your phone will pop up and say, oh, take a picture of yourself, you know, show us your face and move it so we can tell it's not a video. You know, it's not like a photo, uh-huh. uh, and then we'll authorize the purchase. Like that, that, that that's coming soon. That's that's sort of super early. In fact, that. you tested some of this facial recognition. Let's take a look. I'm going to start off with a straight facial recognition. Here, I'm going to sit in front of the camera, and by test, they mean he has a PlayStation 4 camera hooked up, and he's going to sit in front of a PlayStation 4. And the PlayStation 4 knows who I am. Now I'm going to step off camera. Let it forget about me. I'm going to come back without my eyeglasses on. I'm still me. Great. Great. 
That's just great. I'm step off camera again. And I'm going to hit pause right here uh, because uh, while we're using this for fair use to give you a accurate understanding of how U.S. mainstream media covers technology, uh, I do think it's important that I stop right now and mention this is fair use, YouTube. This time we're going to come back wearing a hat. Oh, and PlayStation 4 does not know who I am, but if I take the hat off, oh, I'm me again. So what's your take? It works pretty well. Uh, you know, in that particular thing, both of the new current game consoles had facial recognition built in, which is kind of fun. One of them, kind of the fun. hat fooled it. The other one, taking off the glasses, yeah. fooled it. My big test was, then I went and I shaved. Yeah. And I came back clean shaven. I thought that would fool them. They both they both recognized me right away. It's your eyes. I'm beginning to think the only thing to do is never put anything that's of value on your computer. So there you go, Charlie. Anything that's of value on your computer. I'm beginning to think anything that's of value on your computer. You shouldn't put it on there. Just uh, keep it in your brain. You could think the only thing to do is never put anything that's of value on your computer. Value on your computer. I'm beginning to think that, you know. You got to just memorize it. That's what I do. Me and Clint Eastwood. The only thing to do is never put anything that's of value on your computer. And yet, everything we do is on our computers now. More importantly, on our phones. It's almost impossible to avoid. But I like what you say, come up with a system. I hadn't thought about this. I think this is a good idea. To remember passwords, yeah, you use the come up with a formula or something. That, that's a stopgap measure, though, because I think we can't go on the way we're going. I think biometric is definitely the future. So now, see, he missed the cue there. Uh, so Gail was giving him a cue. And this is what you have to understand about all of these interviews is these interviews are prepped ahead of time. Uh, Gail, specifically on the crew here, sits down with them in the green room and pre-interviews them. And so she was tossing him a prearranged question, which he just blew. And so she tries to reset it up, but the guy gets all awkward and just kind of awkwardly laughs and then realizes, oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about this in the in the uh, screening. Right. Yeah, because all of this is planned and scripted. Right. I hadn't thought about this. I think this is a good idea. To remember passwords, yeah, you use the come up with a formula or something. That that's a stopgap measure, though, because I think we can't go on the way we're going. I think biometric is definitely the future. And he wanted to point. He wanted to pound his biometric point there. So then Gail has to like prod him. Well, what is it? What's the formula? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can just give an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, that, like, that, that's what we're talking about with happens. the Netflix with yeah. the N and the X, and you have your yeah. passphrase. So you see how, yeah, that's what we were talking about, yeah. Uh, and something unique. So all you have to do is remember that yeah, phrase and ready. your formula. Uh, don't use the one that, right, you know, right, we graphic. show people as an example. Obviously, come up with your own. And you know what? It's the best of the bad solutions, but I don't think it's perfect. So let me ask you, if everything is now on your phone, even if you use an app like Dashlane or whatever that controls all your passwords, right? And a lot of people write down their passwords and other stuff on their phone. Now get ready for it, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be Nora's finest moment in CBS broadcasting. Does that bolster the argument that Apple is making, for instance, that enabling law enforcement to be able to unlock your phone gives them access to almost everything? If you think about how weak password security is overall, if you look at the list that come out every year, like one, two, three, four, it's like 20 percent of all passwords. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you really do need that extra layer of encryption, which is uh, the case that Apple is making. That is increasingly important today to make sure your data is not just locked behind a password, but also encrypted. And think about it, uh, a month ago, who knew that their phone was encrypted or whether it was or not or whether they had that capability? Today, everybody knows. It's very important that we're having this conversation now about that. Really interesting, Dan. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I'm excited to say that the Unfilter show is and has been flirting with a new funding milestone on our Patreon at patreon.com slash unfilter for a few weeks. 
And so I've been using that time to kind of plan for what we committed to when we reach the next milestone. And it involves revealing some big plans. Now, starting uh, in the last regular episode of Unfiltered that we had, uh, 177, I kind of gave a big hint for those of you that are paying close attention, especially to our patrons. And so this week, I want to continue that. It's We're going to be making some changes here at the Unfiltered Show. Changes all for the better. Um, some really cool stuff. We're going to be dropping more hints today. And uh, then the next piece will click into place once we've reached our funding goal. And then we'll give you a hint about what that is, too. Uh, so uh, we, we're, uh, we're stalling out, though. We're so close to our next milestone. And I wanted to say thank you to J.T. Anderson and Daniel Cronice, who are our two patrons who signed up since our last show. Kind of a bummer that we only got two, but thank you to you guys for at least giving us two so we're closer. Of course, when we switch over to months, when the months switch over, a bunch of people's cards decline from charging or they drop out. So we start, we tend to uh, slide backwards at the beginning or end of the month, as it were. So I want to give a special thank you to you guys for helping sort of help at least patch some of the bleeding from the uh, end of month call, as it was. So one of the things that's changing is I'm going to be appending the overtime shows to the regular unfiltered show. And the reason why I'm doing this, uh, I, the reason why I haven't done it, maybe I should start there, is the reason why I haven't done it so far is because I wanted to give the unfiltered supporters something unique and sp- uh, specific value for supporting the show. And so with, the idea always was, well, the extra content will go to them, and the people who really love the show and want more will pay for it, and they get extra stuff. But deep down, that sort of grained against why I even do the show in the very first place. I don't do this show to keep some information from people. <laughs> it's like the, it's, it's the antithesis of why I do this show. Like the, the entire motivation to start the show was, holy crap, this stuff out here is really going on, and we've got to tell people about it. And people need to hear from an unbiased source. And even when we get it wrong a little bit, we'll try to make it right when we do get it wrong. And we've got no other agenda at play. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, except for that information, we're going to keep for just people who pay us. And the idea was sound because it enabled the overall show to be produced where you'd really put the important stuff in there that had to get out. But what I found myself doing psychologically was during the the preparation of the show, I was bringing more stuff into the main show than I would really prefer because I didn't want people to miss out on it. Because I knew not only were the vast majority of the audience not going to listen to the supporter show, but even a fair percentage of the supporters themselves don't listen to the supporter show. Maybe they're busy. They don't want to go download a separate file, something like that. And so it would, it would weigh on me because I knew a lot of people weren't going to be hearing this, so I'd slip it into the show. I'd slip it in, and it would sort of weigh the show down. It slows the show down. It breaks the momentum up. But I got the information in. So last episode, 178, not one, uh, 177, 178 was a live stream, uh, which I consider an experiment. But the last proper show, 177, because Rekai was out, I knew I was editing that week's show. And to reduce editing time, essentially, it's double editing when you have a separate supporter show. To reduce editing to one, I thought, well, I'll experiment with just a, attaching the overtime show to the main show. And I made that decision before I sat down to put the whole show together. And that meant when I went in to do the show, 
I knew that if people stuck around and just listened to the show, they were going to hear this stuff. And I was no longer keeping it from them. And that, and that if I wanted to, it was safe to move a, bit of, a piece of information or a story down into overtime and keep the main section of the show tight and flowing really well and really focused. You know, and, and I, uh, I've been struggling with things like how do we prevent the 2016 election from overtaking the show? You could literally spend the entire main show just dissecting things that are happening in the 2016 election. And now I can strike that balance. I can say, well, the really important 2016 bits we'll put in the main show. But the extra 2016 analysis or the extra 2016 news clips, we can put that in overtime. And people who have extra time can listen to that. So you might be asking yourself, well, what about the special value to the patrons? Because I thought the whole idea of the supporter show was to give them something special and extra. Two things to that. First thing being, well, we've actually come up with something else. A couple of other things uh, that are really awesome and exciting and I think probably going to work better for our type of show. That'll be announced after we reach the funding goal. Kind of doing this so you're getting sort of only part of the picture right now. But also, I think overall it's going to make a better show. And I think a better show is something, and I think improving, improving the show and maybe even reaching more audience members now is something the patrons also want. So I have, uh, so what I have, I have, uh, I have more details to be revealed on what exactly the supporters are going to be getting once we reach the milestone. So hopefully we'll pick up more than two, but thanks to JT and Daniel for being our two new patrons at patreon.com slash unfiltered. All right, we have one more story to play in the Apple FBI stuff. And this one looks at, well, what happens if it actually, you know, makes it all the way to like a, a congressional issue? There's been testimony, but what happens if it goes further? This clip explores. Apple and the FBI taking their fight over hacking a phone to Congress. Both testifying before lawmakers. It's their fight over whether Apple should write new software that would help the FBI access one of the San Bernardino killer's iPhones. The government says it needs to know who Sayud Farouk was talking to. And it's his phone alone that is the issue. Apple claims the move would endanger other customers' privacy and says the decision on forcing them to unlock the phone should be made by elected leaders, not a 220-year-old statute. In a separate case, a federal judge in New York has ruled the government cannot compel Apple to help investigators get data from a locked phone in a drug case. Attorney General Loretta Lynch says that particular ruling does not change the Justice Department's view on the whole thing. Part of the social compact that we've all agreed to is that we're going to work under this framework of laws. Do we let one company, no matter how great the company no matter how beautiful their devices, do we let one company decide this issue for all of us? One word seems to come up every time we have this conversation, and now with this New York case, it comes up again, precedence. Is that what they're trying to set with this? Because this judge is saying here in New York with the drug case, no, you cannot crack that phone. Apple's saying you shouldn't be able to crack, you shouldn't be able to force us to crack any phone. We don't want to set the precedence of the federal government forcing a corporation to do something with regards to individual privacy. 
You know, the, the, the first time that uh, this came up and we first heard about it, my, you know, my immediate reaction was that we should just send drones over to bomb Apple until they decide to this and, and open the wow. phone. Wow. All right. So that's a great one. This guy's, I'm loving, this guy's going to have great insightful commentary. So his first thought was, let's go, let's go throw drones at their faces uh, to make them comply. Apple until they and open the phone. Wow. But then when you start reading the stories and you start getting into the particulars of it, it gets pretty complicated. And, and when you get down to the issue of, um, is it, uh, do you want the federal government to, to basically tell a company that they cannot forbid a company from making a device that is so well encrypted that it cannot be broken into? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I do want the federal government to do that. Mm-hmm. That starts to get kind of scary. Yeah. So I don't, I, you know, it, it's obviously a complicated issue. And I, and I want this guy's phone to get open. But but I don't know that I want the, 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 something like that. I wonder how genuine the discussion So check the show notes uh, this week. Uh, I should have in the show notes a link to an article about how they could remove the storage on the iPhone and basically copy it at infinitum. That's really the, I think, the damning thing about that. They could, uh, they could just do that at infinitum. Let's do a little 2016 update. We got a little 2016 update for the overtime show. I know, I know, I know. I know how most of you feel these days. They'll just do. We'll just do a little bit of extra stuff that didn't make it into the main show. Mr. Trump is directing our anger. For less than noble purposes, he creates scapegoats of Muslims and Mexican immigrants. He calls for the use of torture. He calls for killing the innocent children and family members of terrorists. He cheers assaults on protesters. He applauds the prospect of twisting the Constitution to limit First Amendment freedom of the press. This is the very brand of anger that has led other nations into the abyss. Here's what I know. Donald Trump is a phony, a fraud. His promises are as worthless as a degree from Trump University. The dogs are out. The dogs are out to get old Trump. And of course, Super Tuesday went pretty good. I have very powerful hands and large hands, relatively large hands. And a politician uh, was said I didn't have large hands. It's the first time anyone's ever said that one. The large hands thing is ridiculous. I just I, they, it started with John Oliver, really. I guess he's maybe trying to play it off. So we haven't uh, talked about uh, the uh, results from uh, Super Saturday. Uh, I said Super Tuesday. I meant Super Saturday, and uh, all these supers. Here we go. Uh, so no, I I think it was a very I think it was a good moment. Mrs. Trump, what did you think of that moment? <laughs> it was a great moment. Okay. <laughs> no, it was it was fine. You know. Awkward. Quite a moment indeed. Racy talk about hand size dominated the week into last night's Super Saturday races. Let's talk about that and a lot more with Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro, a Hillary Clinton supporter, Republican operative Hogan Gidley, CNN commentator and liberal activist Sally Cohn, and conservative talk radio host Hugh Hewitt. Welcome. Don't worry, I'm not actually going to make you listen to their analysis. I just wanted you to hear the panel. <laughs> it's that great panel. <laughs> Talk about just something to put you to sleep. You know, one of the things I said uh, in 178, and I might have mentioned in 177, is it was obvious the dogs were coming out for Trump. And they're going to be spending some serious money to go after him. 
Let's head around the Inside Politics table, ask our great reporters to get you out ahead of some of the big political news just around the corner. Ashley Parker. So I'm going to be watching Republican donors sort of in a state of abject confusion about what to do next. And I think what happens is going to surprise you. Uh, some Republicans who supported people like Jeb Bush, um, Republicans who sort of even a month ago couldn't have ima imagined supporting Donald Trump, are sort of quietly moving over to him or trying to get themselves comfortable with that. Kind of interesting in light of Carson uh, saying he was going to announce support for Trump tomorrow. And you're also seeing some Republicans... Um, who sort of so can't stomach Trump, and these are longtime party people, longtime donors to the party, uh, who are quietly moving and considering Hillary Clinton. So I think the split is going to be really fascinating. The therapy phase for Republican <laughs> <Exactly>. donors. Manu? <laughs> John, last week when Mitt Romney was uh, going after Donald Trump, at the exact same time, Paul Ryan, his running mate for 2012, was doing everything he can to avoid mentioning Donald Trump. It really just shows the dilemma that Paul Ryan is in, particularly if Donald Trump becomes the Republican nominee over a few different issues. One, Paul Ryan is trying to develop a pretty uh, detailed policy agenda, and he was hoping that Republicans could run out of it in 2016. It sort of goes out the window if Donald Trump is your nominee. I don't know. Now the word is that Donald Trump and Paul Ryan are uh, talking. They're buds. Hello, Ubuntu Mate. Love this song. Can anybody in the chat name the uh, so the show? Oh, you know, I probably should play Trump's response to Romney, huh? That would seem like the only fair thing to do. So Romney comes out, he attacks Trump University, he attacks Trump steaks and Trump water, which is great. I love that. And, uh... Trump responds in a way that only a presidential candidate like Trump would. And Mitt got up, and he really shouldn't have done it. It wasn't, it wasn't becoming, honestly. And he talked about the water company. Well, there's the water company. I mean, we sell water, and we have water, and it's a very successful, you know, it's a private little water company, and I supply the water for all my places, and it's good, but it's very good. Trump steaks. Where it's are the good, steaks? Very we, good. Have steaks to, uh, we have Trump steaks. It's good, he but it's very good. steak company. And we have Trump steaks. And by the way, if you want to take one, we'll charge you about, what, 50 bucks a steak now. Bazinga. We have Trump magazine. Let me see the magazine. Let me see. He said, Trump magazine is out. I said, it is? I thought I read one two days ago. This comes out, and it's called the jewel of palm beach and we it's all it goes to all of my clubs i've had oh it for many God. years and it's the magazine is great anybody want to run here this guy, a club, magazine my club champion a freaking magazine <laughs> anybody read it <laughs> this email issue for hill dog is heating up isn't it and of course, there is an investigation going on. Texas representative on the floor saying it's a big deal. 
And the RNC, just a jab hill dog, is suing. In this lawsuit, it says that this information is manifestly relevant to whether she, Hillary Clinton, is fit to lead this country. What are you guys trying to do here? So there's two lawsuits, actually. One lawsuit deals with communications between Hillary Clinton and her top aides, okay. Cheryl Mills, Brian Pataglianu, Patrick Kennedy, during her tenure as Secretary of State. The other lawsuit has to do with her time after she left the, the State Department and with her aides that still were at the State Department and her campaign and outside entities and whether there was any coordination or collusion to cover it up. What we know now is that with each passing email dump that comes out, we find more classified information, more things that she said never existed. So we have we filed a FOIA lawsuit, uh, a FOIA request with the State Department last year. We have heard nothing. They have stalled. We're taking this to federal court because with each passing day, we find out more and more information about Hillary Clinton. And in doing so, okay. it has a direct relevance on her ability to be commander in chief and president of the, right, of, of the country. As you well know, the FBI is also investigating everything surrounding her emails. What do you think you're going to uncover with this lawsuit that the FBI is not? We don't know. But at the end of the day, this is all public information. It is legally allowed to be seen by the public. And so if the FBI is investigating, it may take months and years. We're at a critical point in this election oh, season, not just right. for Republicans, but for Democrats. And they need to know what's in this thing? email, whether or not she abided by the, the law, what type of communication, potentially, was there any cover-up? I mean, these are important and relevant topics that the American public has it. a right He's to fired know. Up. Right, but I can already hear exactly what Hillary Clinton is saying right now. The timing, the she topic, me. the messenger points at one thing, that this is all political. Right, but remember, she said that about everybody. So we've had judges, inspector generals appointed by Democrats, President Obama, everyone so to now? her. Huh? Because we didn't. We actually tried to get this information a year ago. They've stalled on it. Oh! <laughs> so speaking of Hill Dog, you know, they're out there sitting in front of uh, uh, University of Miami. Hill Dog and Bernie were doing a debate on Univision. You probably know about this. And uh, <laughs> she's got a new Benghazi timeline for you. Now, before I play this clip, it might be useful for a little recap because it's been a while, but your unfiltered show was around during the whole Benghazi thing when it went down. And I, 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 would, I would love it if maybe one of you, looking at you, producer Matt, just saying, somebody go back and look at the old archive. I so was like, this, this is not because of a YouTube video. This is such crap. And then, of course, when Hillary's emails got released... We saw that she was emailing Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea Clinton, Chelsea Clinton. She was emailing Chelsea saying, yeah, well, it's not this video. It's these, it's these terrorists. And that was like hours after she was on air saying it was a video. So it was finally brought up in a debate. And, you know, it's funny. The night before this debate, I was thinking to myself, why is the Benghazi stuff not coming out? It was Benghazi, 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 over and over again. And then nothing once we get to the debates. What the F is what I was thinking. Well, so guess what? They brought it up. And Hillary's got a whole new timeline for us, everybody. You told your daughter Chelsea one thing and a different thing to them. Well, but Hori, that makes my point. At the time I emailed with my daughter, a terrorist group had taken credit for the attacks on our facility in Benghazi. Within 16, 18 hours, they rescinded taking credit. They did it all on social media. And the video did play a role. 
we have captured one of the lead terrorists, and he admits it was both a terrorist attack and it was influenced by the video. This was fog of war. This was complicated. The most effective, comprehensive reports and studies demonstrate that. And look, I, as I said in the beginning, I deeply regret that we lost four Americans. And I, of course, sympathize with members of the families uh, who are still, you know, very much grieving. And I, I wish that there could be an easy answer at the time. But we learned a lot and the intelligence kept improving. And we yeah. learned enough to say what we think happened uh, at Benghazi. Well, there you go. There you go. So yeah, we, uh, we learned enough to say what we think happened that was after you said it on TV. I was surprised this the first time that came up, and I thought she could have done a lot better job answering that question. All right, so why don't we continue along, just moving right along here. Uh, we'll get out of 2016, because I think we've probably talked enough about that. Uh, and we'll move on to uh, some other topics. Ooh, beep. I should probably turn off my system sounds and mate. <laughs> I, uh, I guess I really haven't uh, used this. This is the, uh, I have uh, here the new Apollo laptop. From Entraware. Jeez, you guys, it is windy here. So, uh, I probably already mentioned this in the show by the time you're hearing this. But I, I was really bummed. We lost, uh, we lost a part of, of the uh, episode last week. Yeah, I got my sounds turned off. And it was too bad. It was power outage. And it's partially because of the way the files get recorded. If they don't get closed properly, you really can't recover them without a lot of work. And uh, we ha- our backup also, unfortunately, didn't work. And now today, it's also very windy. I'm just like, geez, I hope we don't lose power again. All right, let's let's talk. Let's, I got a couple of Russian stories for you guys. A couple of stories about Russia. This one, like, it reminds me of Sequest. I love that. Russian President Vladimir Putin once fed the dolphins at this aquarium near Vladivostok. Now the leader is looking to recruit several of the marine mammals for his military. According to state media, the Russian Defense Ministry is looking for five bottlenose dolphins for military duty. Specifically, they want three males and two females between three and five years old with perfect teeth and no physical impairments. They're willing to pay about 350,000 rubles or about 5,000 US dollars for each dolphin. Dolphins have been used in wartime before by Soviet Russia during the Cold War and more recently by the US helping search for underwater mines in the Persian Gulf during the Iraq War. The US military has also trained dolphins and sea lions to perform tasks like detecting enemy submarines and to patrol the waters around naval bases protecting against potential terror threats. But the program is controversial. One of the world's leading experts on dolphins says that using the sea mammals for military purposes is purely exploitation. These are very bright, self-aware, highly social animals. Um, And everything that they experience in a captive environment, and in particular in a military environment, is at odds with the kind of natural environment that they really need to thrive. Any aquatic recruits would be likely sent to the Crimean port city of Sevastopol, home to a combat dolphin training center where they could someday become super soldiers 
or even super spies for the Russian Navy. Zane Asher, <laughs> Atlanta. All right. Uh, I think Mr. Chase will be here in just a moment. So I got one more clip about Russia. And then I've been saving a clip just for him. Here we go. Eight more Russian engines have been ordered for space rocket launches in America. Despite political fallout around the move, uh, Russian engines are widely used in rockets launched in the U.S. But that's now become a political issue with some politicians strongly advocating for an alternative supplier. Why not buy Russian rocket engines? Because it means hundreds of millions of dollars in Vladimir Putin and his corrupt cronies' pockets. Well, it turns out, though, that replacing these Russian engines uh, is not going to be a terribly easy task. We believe it would be several years before we could have a certified replacement for the RD-180. Our best estimates are that 2021 or so would be the time we could have a replacement. Uh, we'd like to go faster, and as we, if we look at public-private partnerships, we would hope that well, some of those could go faster in terms of giving us a replacement. Um, but that's our best estimate right now. Well, concern over relying on Russian engines was also raised in 2014 when an Antares rocket powered by a Soviet-era engine, which had been modified in America, exploded shortly after takeoff. Back then, the Russian manufacturer insisted it was the modifications made by the U.S. company which caused the mishap. Well, despite that setback, Soviet and Russian engines have played a key role in some of the most significant U.S. space missions. Here's a quick look. Main engine ignition. America's first step in a lasting return to the moon. And liftoff of the Atlas V with curiosity. In other words, lots of Russian rockets. Hey, guess who's here in studio? Hey there, Mr. Jay. Speaking of coming in on a rocket. <laughs> gross. Gross. <laughs> Red rocket? What? No, gross. No. Uh, so, Mr. Chase, I got a video. I, I got a... Uh, see, where is it here? Uh, oh, that's there, nice there's video. A whole, wow. She, I didn't know she could do that. There is a whole mess. There is a whole oh, mess oh, not that video. Of, uh, of videos in the uh, supporter sync for people. But the one I wanted to play you... Yes. I was wondering, I know, I know you know, you live in the belly of the beast. I do. During the day. I do. So you may hear of all the stories that come up. I do. And I was wondering if this story came across the... Uh, the, the wires? Uh, yeah, when you were working... Maybe you saw this story. I, this one caught my attention. Okay. All right. Okay. We're learning more about the woman who caused a big traffic jam in Houston yesterday. Remember this? Yeah, she was all over the internet yesterday. She stripped naked, climbing on top of a big rig, and she started dancing. Firefighters and police officers used ladder trucks to try and coax the woman down, but the standoff lasted two hours. That's a long Snow show. traffic there for a while, too. Eventually, she surrendered and was taken to a hospital for a mental exam. Police say she had fled from two earlier fender benders. Probably a Ted Cruz supporter. Oh, oh what? Oh, wow. no. How you doing, buddy? You ready to do a show? You ready to get this thing started here? I got you. Uh, did you hear the latest breaking uh, rumor, by the way? I heard it on the radio. What, about in. Carson? Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to be back in Cruz. Or, I mean, not Cruz. Trump. Uh, Trump. <laughs> yeah. I know. I got, yeah. I know it's it's crazy. Ah! What's going on in this world, Chase? What's Man, going on? What, you know, what is going on in you this know, world? I we you know 
A lot of you guys don't realize this, but you know, Chris and I, we do text each other things uh, during the course from of the week, from time to time. Yeah. And I mean, the whole uh, on Tuesday, especially with Michigan, and I know we'll talk about it on the show. Sure. But I mean, just that whole Tuesday was just cray cray. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, uh, um, I think uh, I think this 2016 election is. I think it's going to be just about. I mean, I think by the 15th we're going to we're going to have ourselves some answers. That's what I think. You so, think so? I, I just it? you know before we wrap, uh, I just got to say, yeah. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you got a chance to uh, watch uh, the uh, Super Tuesday coverage we did. I uh, yeah, I was able to spy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think. We had a couple challenges tech, tech wise that you and I could could put our heads together on. Maybe figure Technical out Technical challenges? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a challenge as in like a difficulty or a challenge as in like I'm daring you. No, tech tech difficulty. Oh. Yeah. All right. So what's the challenge? Well, uh different streaming providers are really not keeping up when the loads get high. So I'm you know, I'm just trying to fantasize about a system. About a system chase. Yes. And so when we get out, when we get done with the show or something, we should talk about a way to do it. So I was. I already know one. I've been trying a couple of different experiments because, you know, I I have actually no way of getting actual cable television. You know all we need. In here. I have other accesses to it, but I don't. You know all we need. Here's what we need. It's real simple. What is it, Chase? We need a supporter or two. And, And we have like 400 supporters right now. Four, 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 two, uh, four, well, five. you know, it fluctuates, especially at the end of the month because of the because uh, like the cards changing. Four hundred and thirty-six. Four thirty-six. So, yeah. I would assume one of our four hundred and thirty-six supporters probably out there has a sling box. Yeah. And all we would need yeah. is for them to allow us to log How into their sling one? box. And I've then been we trying would... their sling TV service, but that only gets CNN. Right. Forget sling TV. Well, that could be one. Th- that could be one source. But right. We need extra that's what backup I mean. sources. So that's mean. It's like so. Yeah. We would need multiple people that that's would good. let us use their Slingbox accounts, and then we would have our own dedicated bandwidth for it. All right, that's something to think about. Yeah. Maybe somebody go. out there might let us know. Yeah. 